Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from 112 Ocean Avenue discussing the 1979 supernatural horror film, The Amityville Horror. This film was directed by Stuart Rosenberg with the screenplay by Rosenberg based upon the book by Jay Anson with input from George and Kathy Lutz. A year after the real-life familicide committed by Ronald DeFeo Jr., the Lutz family moved into the house where the murders took place. This film is a retelling of the paranormal harassment the family experienced over 28 days. While these claims are steeped in skepticism and controversy, the Amityville Horror became incredibly successful, even spawning its own franchise. So, what did you guys think about the Amityville Horror the first time you saw it? I remember watching this a lot as a kid Mm -hmm. and enjoying it. It did scare me, but if I'm going to be honest, it's not like, oh, that's fucking terrifying. (laughs) But it's like, oh, shit, that's fucked up. Um, But I do enjoy the movie and watching it for the show. I still did enjoy the movie. Yeah, I agree. I vaguely remember watching this as a kid. I think you probably remember it more than I do, but... I do remember a lot of the bigger scenes, the scary moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, As an adult, it's more, I feel like it's scary if it happened to you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I wasn't that frightened by it watching it this time. Oh, I I feel like it was long. Like It's it's quite long. Um, To piggyback on that, I feel like, because I did a lot of research into the original crime Uh and into the Lutz's account of what they experienced. And after a certain point in the film, it really feels like they're like, oh, we didn't say this part, so <laughs> fucking put it in there. No, put in this part. It's funny because there, there's like a couple moments toward the end that I'm like, oh, you probably should have explained <laughs> that. <laughs> what the fuck? I, I remember being caught off guard by one in particular that we'll talk about. I'm pretty sure I know what you're thinking of. <laughs> I, and the thing is, is that they are incredibly faithful to the story they were told mm-hmm. and the story that they're trying to tell. But this is all a hoax, right? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take to get into that. It can't take very long because this is, that's the thing about this film. I tried to do so much research on the film itself. Yeah, it's hard. And it's all, very hard to. All I did was fall into a rabbit hole of Ronald DeFeo, mm-hmm. the murders, the mm-hmm. Lutz's actual account or whatever. The See, okay, here's the thing. Let me just put it this way. <laughs> I was reading up on it and I was like, well, this is not true, right? And then I saw the Warrens got involved and I was like, this is really not the true. War- <laughs> the Warrens did get involved. Um, they did. I actually last night fell into a Warren rabbit hole. Yikes. And I watched an interview with Ed and Lorraine and I guess their son-in-law mm-hmm. talking about the haunting and ed was very quick to address the fact that people think that it's a hoax <laughs> and uh i laughed because he said that anyone who could <laughs> anyone who could prove that the amityville haunting was a hoax he will give them three thousand dollars <laughs> oh i did hear you listening or uh, you were watching there what a specific made, amount it made me laugh because if it's something that i know for a fact and i know you, if you can prove that my real name is Bill, I'll give you fucking ten million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yes, three thousand was just a very <laughs> hilarious amount. I think to me. was he looking at his bank statement this morning and he's like, "That seems <laughs> like something yeah. I, could, I could lose. I could handle three thousand. No, but he was very adamant. Um, he said that the whole reason that 
people think that it's a hoax is because of the atheists and the atheists have to disprove it because that would disprove demons, which would disprove God. I mean, it's really Emily Rose logic, yeah, which is right. a lot for me, but how can they not think <laughs> God exists if I show them the Amityville horror? Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that, like, I mean, here's the thing. I know that I'm kind of the resident skeptic, mm-hmm. but I think I get that reputation because I talk a lot of shit. But the real, <laughs> <laughs> the real thing is, I would love for this to be true. I would love right. to like see some of this shit. I'd love to talk to a pig ghost. <laughs> I would love to talk to you a know? pig ghost. It's just. I don't know. I've always believed. I'm, but I'm one. Of, I'm a person that is like it's haunted like fuck yeah like i believe (laughs) it you know but really digging into the meat of the whole situation and really that interview with ed it uh, didn't help it did (laughs) didn't help my belief he said he was talking about so the story is that they wanted to film in the amityville house right yeah but the producers and the actors everyone was too scared to set foot in the house so they didn't but what really happened uh-huh. was the city of Amityville was like, no, we're not doing this shit yeah. anymore. You're not filming this movie here. But Ed Warren is like, <laughs> they lied and they said that they went in that house and they felt fine. And how can you feel fine when all these murders took place here? And I don't know who he was talking about because he went on this rant. But yeah. at the end of the rant, he's like, and then they got in their car and it burst into flames. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> see, see, now he's throwing like five stories together. I love... <laughs> Listen, I am not above throwing a little hot sauce yeah. on a story. Yeah. <laughs> a car fucking burst into fl- I was wow. laughing, dude. Well, well, let me tell you the real story. <laughs> you got to put some razzle dazzle on you it. Have you have to. He is a salesman. Yeah. <laughs> the, the real story is that after Anson wrote the novel that the whole movie is based on, uh-huh. he gave the manuscript to like four or five different people. Mm-hmm. And the story is that a lot of those people like had some kind of tragedy in their lives happen near around receiving the manuscript. Mm. One of the people, their car burst into flames is the story. <laughs> yeah. But Ed Warren is like making it like, and then when James Brolin got into yeah, his no, car, <laughs> he made it sound like they yeah. were like leaving the home and yeah. then they got in their car and turned the key in person. <laughs> and so the thing the thing about that is is it was almost like a burkittsville situation yeah Yeah. no i bet amityville is like we don't want any fucking part of your production at all and it's honestly kind of sad because they're like look don't film here because we don't want that publicity but then the film's called the amityville horror yeah Yeah. people are gonna seek out the real house yeah give the address yeah yeah and I also watched a lot of interviews with James Brolin and Margot Kidder mm-hmm. to kind of disprove everything that Ed Warren is saying. <laughs> but I, I just feel like, I mean, the movie is the movie. Right. And it's very hard to separate from the real story that it's based on. Yeah. But if you view it just as a movie itself, it's really good. It is. Oh, yeah. I read, Speaking of James Brolin, I read that he became really good friends with the Lutzes. And was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't believe a yeah. word of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> I'll, I'll touch on that in a bit. Because there was an interview with Margot Kidder as well. where Because they met the Lutzes as part yeah. of this. Yeah. yeah, They did go to the real house mm-hmm. as part of like a publicity thing whenever the movie was being released. Right. So th- these nuggets of truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but no, uh, James Brolin car, his car, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Now, before we tell this film to get out, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's move in. So the film opens with a shot of the Amityville house bathed in the red of a setting sun. And it looks great. Oh, yeah. I love this opening so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. The eyes of the house like peering at us. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I know they're literally eyes. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'd live there. I don't. I mean. See, honestly, even with the history. Yeah. I, I don't give a shit. They changed those windows. They're just oh, regular windows now. Never mind. I read that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> never mind. I read that uh, the either the current owner or the last owner yeah. he kind of remodeled the windows yeah mm. they filled in the pool in the backyard yeah. Yeah. and they also changed the address yeah because they're like 112 ocean avenue we don't we're tired of the tourism oh, but all right. the house people still it's know still what there, house is. Yeah. minus the windows it's still the same house it's a google search dude yeah like yeah. i mean i it's, don't know i'm sorry amityville <laughs> <laughs> But the red light dissipates and we quickly cut to like a torrential rainstorm happening outside. I do. Before we get to that rainstorm and also including the rainstorm, I have something to say about that. The red dips to a black and white. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you get that weird sing songy score. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The score was done by Lalo Schifrin and he, I think, was nominated for an Academy Award for this score. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And I think it's great. It is. Oh, yeah. In some points, it borrows from Psycho. If by borrows, you mean steal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. But I, th- I think it's really good. I, I really enjoyed it. I feel like it fits, though. Like where, it where does. they have it, it does fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rain. I, I feel like this movie doesn't get enough credit for how much it influenced. Mm-hmm. Like the little things like the opening shot of the rain is almost exactly what they did in Urban Legend. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's it's, true. It's little small things like yeah. that that I'm like, they probably got that from Amityville Horror. Probably. I forgot how old this movie was. Yeah. Because yeah, I, surprisingly. I pointed something out to your sister last night and I was like, oh, that, I was like, this movie did that too. And then I was like, no, wait, this is this old was before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we pan up to the Amityville house, which has every light off except for those two eye windows. The house is awake. The house is awake. Suddenly, two gunshots light up one window before another lights up the window next to it. Inside, we see a man enter a room and shoot again. Back to our view outside of the house, the attic window lights up with another shot. And inside, we scan over two of the victims, bloody and murdered in their bed. And it's like, okay, this is a movie. Yeah. Like, we're in. I had thought that this was going to be the last time we saw this. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> yes, not. <laughs> but I was like, at least they did it somewhat tastefully. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Nope. No, <laughs> not not as much. And this is fresh, dude. This was like five years ago or whatever from when the film was oh, made. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. I did not even think All of right. that aspect. So you're of like, it. holy shit. Yeah. That's fucked up, actually. A little bit. But later, the police, including Sergeant John Frito, played by Val Avery, and the paramedics are working the scene, and we get a title card. November 13th, 1974, Amityville, Long Island. A mother, father, and four of their children murdered, dot, 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 no apparent motive. As the bodies are loaded up into the ambulances, two detectives go over the details of the case. All of them were shot execution style, with only the mother being shot in the head. 
when asked to ballpark the time of death, one of the detectives is like, no, three, three fifteen, which is not how it <laughs> no. work. But that was very fast. You need a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> and I do want to say, I'm like, okay, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is going to be another Emily Rose yeah. situation with, you know. Yeah. Another thing is that I always had a different definition of execution style. Right. Right. In my head, it's like you, somebody's on their knees yeah. and a gun to the back Behind, of their head. Right. Yeah not sleeping in bed i think you can just say shit when you're a cop i don't know yeah. and it's like yes sir yeah execution you got a boss, you got a boss. <laughs> but we get a shot of the body bags being closed into a car before we fade to black odd that we don't get a based on a true story yeah that is strange for any film to have it you think this would be the one right I'm but, glad I didn't see it, but but like you said, <laughs> if it was that still kind of fresh, I'm sure they're like, oh, I remember this shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, this was on the news yeah. last night. Yeah, and the book. <laughs> oh it's, yeah, it's yeah. You don't need to tell people. <laughs> no. One funny thing about the book is that the author Anson, he had said that when he asked, because everybody's like, dude, you added so much shit, and mm-hmm. he's like, I did not. Yeah. He goes, I I wrote what they told me. And then they asked him if he believed it. He goes, look, I don't believe it. I don't not believe it. It's like, I'm like, well, then what are you? (laughs) You don't believe it. Yeah, you don't believe it. What's interesting, and I didn't know this until I was kind of diving in, was the first account of, and I know we haven't met the Lutzes yet, but I'm sure y'all are somewhat familiar with the story. If not, we'll get there in a second. But the Lutzes story of what happened to them, their experience, I should say, not story, because it's condescending, but... Their mm-hmm. the, <laughs> their experience was first documented in Good Housekeeping magazine. Well, it sounds like bad housekeeping. Yeah. yeah, I read the article. It's from 1977. Somebody like photocopied it onto the internet. Like I had to search for yeah. it. It's all Very crinkled. Cool. Yeah, it was cool. But there are inconsistencies mm-hmm. in that story and the yeah. story that Anson would later write. And they had been asked, I guess, several times to you know collab with somebody on a book and they said no but anson came with those laundry bags with big dollar (laughs) signs on them because they apparently he offered them so much money that they were like bet all right yeah Yeah. i mean shit i also read that they were under investigation from the irs at the time (laughs) at the time of the book yeah which only leads to wanting what were they i wonder what they were under investigation for well i heard they owned like an auto business it was yeah george mm -hmm. did yeah so i mean i don't know man uh, I'm not here to, you know, speak ill of the dead. Yeah. But <laughs> I just feel like, I mean, everything is there. It's ripe. For me, this feels like this would be the greatest like folktale yeah. right. urban legend situation. I think it's a little muddied by the fact that everybody went to use this as like a cash grab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When at the heart of it, there is a true crime case. There right. is. But I would say if I were... In the Lutz family, and this were a true story, and somebody was like, here's a shit ton of money just to tell your story, Mm -hmm. I would not say no. If the story was true. If the story was true. But, and also in their defense, George and Kathy both did pass lie detector tests. They did, but nay. And in the lie (laughs) detector George, George Costanza said, <laughs> it's, it's not a lie wow. if, if you, you believe, believe it. it. But not Costanza. <laughs> in the, in He's the, my barometer. <laughs> in the questions in the lie detector test, one included them saying that they levitated both in the house and 
after leaving the house. They levitated. Wait, so they got to keep their powers? Apparently. Yeah. Oh, we'll get more on okay. that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. I, I feel like we're going to keep getting derailed a little. Yeah. Well, because I mean, at the root of this, this is so interesting to me because there is a real life crime that happened. Here. Right. Yes. Say you believe in zero percent of any of the paranormal shit. Mm-hmm. That's fine. A real horrible crime happened here. Right. And so, I mean, that's at least a conversation on its own. And a real thing that can absolutely be said is that at this point in the movie, all of this happened so far. Oh, yeah. Yes. This yeah. is all true. Yeah. I mean, we are about three minutes into the film, but yes, uh-huh. it's and, all true. And we're, I think the next few minutes are all right. <laughs> <laughs> but we get a card that reads one year later. George and Kathy Lutz, played by James Brolin and Margot Kidder, open the door to a boathouse and smile at each other. We get a shot of the house they're looking at, and surprise, it's our old friend, the Amityville house. <laughs> they walk over to their realtor, Mrs. Townsend, played by Elsa Raven, who ushers them inside, illustrating how much property this house has. She tells them there's nothing else like it on the market for this price. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to talk about Margot Kidder and James Brolin mm-hmm. very quickly. First of all, we love Margot Kidder in this house. Yes, Barb. Barb. Mm-hmm. Um, she always gave me like almost Carrie Fisher vibes. Dude, yeah, I never put that together, but yeah, that's I feel like fair. Uh, they could have been best friends, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I read this interview with her, and they asked her if she believed any of this story. Mm-hmm. And Carrie Fisher style, she goes, "It was all bullshit." Like <laughs> <laughs> she said, none of this happened. She said the producers tried to get them to make up stories. I'm sure they did. Uh, I mean, that's that's compelling. Well, that's the yeah. shit you want to hear. So they could sell the film. Yeah. Uh, in this interview with the Flashback File, she said that when she met the Lutzes, she really considered them to just be very misguided. Yeah. But they asked her what she used for her performance after meeting the Lutzes, and she said, "Well, a willingness to believe anything." And I was like, yikes, (laughs) yikes. But James Brolin, he was cast in this film because he had received the script from them. Right. Or they were working on the script, so they gave him the book. Uh Uh-huh. And when he was reading the book, I guess he had hung a pair of pants over his door. And as he was reading the book, he was getting to a really scary part. And his pants fell off the door and it scared the shit out of him. Right. And he's like, okay, so if this can make me afraid of my own pants, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. something to there's it. something right. here. A lot of people have taken that story to say, say that like yeah. his pants were haunted or whatever. But, <laughs> but did he talk about the demon that pulled his the no. pants down? And then his car exploded. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he also met the Lutzes and he said that he thought it was a hoax after meeting them. He called George a very good salesman. Wow. Yikes. And he said that's probably why they passed the lie detector test because they sold it to themselves. Yeah. But well, I digress. <laughs> well, once inside, Mrs. Townsend shows them the highlights the fireplace, the sun porch, the spacious kitchen. When Kathy starts to whisper doubts to George, he's like, be cool, man. <laughs> Mrs. Townsend asks if this is their first house, and they tell her that they just recently got married. She leads them upstairs. She refers to the house as a fixer-upper, just as a piece of the banister falls off. It's like, well, she's not wrong. She shows them an extra room upstairs just as she opens the door. And we get a flash of that night, a faceless man firing off gunshots into the room. It's like, oh, we're doing this. I kind of, I'm not going to lie, I kind of liked it. I was like, well, we're getting to see, you know what I mean? Each Each room, I, I, I guess. But it's like, we know. I know. There's only one house that looks like this. We know. I think if they would have left it at that, it would have been fine. No, we're not done. There's one moment that comes up that is so egregious that I'm like, you guys were just... It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Back in present day, Kathy and George step into the room. As she continues leading them around, Mrs. Townsend says there are three full bedrooms, perfect for if they're thinking of starting a family. George tells her they already have a family, two boys and a girl. Mrs. Townsend, like, clutches her pearls and leaves the room. <laughs> I forgot. I'm like, I guess it's the 70s. I yeah. guess. But she, when she says that, she goes, oh. Yeah. Almost like, this house is no longer for sale. <laughs> <laughs> but when she leaves, Kathy's like, cut it out, man. Yeah. We get another flash of that night, the gun going off, and the victim with their face bloodied, knocking a lamp over onto the floor. <laughs> there's there's a point after I think this shot of the murders because mm-hmm. I have to differentiate through all the yeah random shots of the murders. Yeah. Did you notice Kathy's brooch? No. It looked like a f- like a ghost face. Oh. Like, I don't know how else to like describe from it. Scream. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> she <laughs> she predicted scream. Yeah. I told you this movie influenced other movies, dude. No. <laughs> It looked like, I mean, almost like, you remember the masks that those like people in the cabin in the woods wore, the creepy masks? Yeah. That's almost what it looked like. Huh. And I just I don't understand. Notice. I'm a, I didn't either. I'm going to have yeah. to go back and look. I didn't get that. I was like, is her brooch already haunted? What's the, maybe it wasn't uh, the house. She brought it with her. It was them. already. T- <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're buying a new house because the other one's filled with ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> but Mrs. Townsend opens the door to the master bedroom and we see the gunman that night walk in and shoot the sleeping couple in their bed. But in present day, Kathy walks inside and is like, I love it. (laughs) As Mrs. Townsend leads them upstairs, another flight of stairs. It's Uh like, Kathy, this house is huge. She explains that there's only one more floor. And then they literally like freeze frame. Yeah. It it's it's literally she goes see anything you like and then it stops. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it was very strange, and it never happens again. No, so no. it was such a weird. When choice. that happened, I was like, you know, so far you've got the murders in the bedroom, yeah, and then you show them looking at the bedroom. Yeah, this one was just weird. <laughs> yeah, see anything you like, boom, and it's like thunder and shit. I was like, this is way beyond ah! the pale. But we see the gunman in the attic shooting two children asleep in their beds. We come back on the realtor telling them that anything they like and want to keep is included in the price. In the attic, George proposes that they can wander around on their own and meet her in the kitchen when they're ready. And the realtor kind of reluctantly heads downstairs. Wait, so anything you like, are these still the DeFeo's belongings? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now that they're alone, Kathy admits that she loves the house, but says that the 80000 they're asking for might as well be 800000 I just need a moment of silence that they're buying this house for $8,000. I do want to point out, I went to an inflation calculator that's over $300,000 in today's money. God damn. But when it was the 70s, I thought the realtor was going to be like, hey, you know, a slice of pecan pie. This house is yours. But but yeah, so when they said $80,000, I was like, God damn. But in those days. Yeah. But minimum wage is still so... uh, Anyway. (laughs) No, um, it's bullshit. Yeah. Write your congressman. (laughs) (laughs) But George rationalizes that the house is worth at least 120,000. He can move his office to the guest house and stop paying for the rent for that. He can move his boat to the boathouse here and save money on that fee too. And it's like, they're talking about how broke they are, but I'm like, you have a fucking office and a boat? Yeah. Sir. You're, yeah. <laughs> sir. Unless you're a grizzled sea captain, you're not poor if you own a boat. <laughs> Boats are not a poor thing. No, not at all. No. And I can prove that because none of us own a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Nary a boat. But finally, Kathy says she just really wished that that guy hadn't killed his own family here. She asks if that bothers him at all. And he's like, well, yeah, but it's not like houses have memories. 
And if this hadn't happened here, the house wouldn't be on the market. And if the house was on the market, it wouldn't be this cheap. Right. Which is a John Paul rationalization. Mm -hmm. Because I would be like, no. Well, I mean, it's a steal. Yeah. (laughs) My thing, first of all, the murderer is in prison. Right. You don't have to worry about them coming back. That's the only reason like to not buy a murder house is if the murderer is still on the loose. You know, right. except like the ghosts and the bad energy. Yeah. But, well, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, That's what the sage is for. Yeah. yeah. You cleanse the house yeah. and then you get going and you get living. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I did enjoy that they know the history of the house. Yeah. Because in a lot of other films, that would be a big reveal. Right, right. In the third act, and they like fucking bust up the realtor later. Yeah, I was yeah. a little <laughs> I was know? a little surprised because they were just like, yeah, man, I mean, uh, it's yeah. whatever, man. Like, you mean they were killed here? <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> We've all seen that film. Yeah. Yes. But we cut to Kathy and George leaving the house. Mrs. Townsend tells them that she's sure their offer is going to be accepted and to just get ready to move. Kathy and George embrace and laugh. But later, while crunching some numbers at the kitchen table, Mrs. Townsend seems to hear a sound. Does she not have an office? Apparently not. She's like, there's a table right here. Might as well. I got all my paperwork here. Right. She's like, I can not pay for my office if I just (laughs) move it in here. (laughs) She tries to go back to her work, but her papers lightly blow across the table. Mrs. Townsend packs up her shit and gets the fuck out of Dodge. Well, yeah. Yeah. No. I've sold it. I'm never setting foot in here again. Now... I feel like the character would have got up and hello and then went oh, to the basement and for then sure. the door would have slammed yeah. behind her and then we <laughs> yeah. moved on to the scene. But no, I'm gone. Fuck you. I think you. this we is, don't- is appropriate, not only foreshadowing that there's something up here, but how a normal person would react. Oh, yeah. No, I'm <laughs> like, gone. Uh, absolutely yeah. not. It was a light breeze. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's funny because Ed Warren, <laughs> I don't mean oh, to keep God. coming back to it, but he said that when he set foot into the house uh-huh. and he prefaced this by saying that he is not a sensitive mm-hmm. as he calls it he's not like lorraine right uh-huh. but he said that immediately setting foot into the house it reeked of death then he was pushed to the ground by a force wow and it felt like a hot towel was on his face and he could not breathe that sounds very comfortable yeah, i was gonna say <laughs> that is a massage <laughs> yeah. that's first class flying yeah <laughs> So Ed couldn't even bear to be in the house and he doesn't have the the touch right. or the gift. But no shine, no, no shine, <laughs> no shine. So I just thought that was, you know, interesting that other people, I mean, realtors are right. know, staging and baking cookies and shit, but he couldn't get through <laughs> the threshold. Yeah. You know how many people she probably showed this house to? Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, a few. For 80 I, grand? I would oh, go Oh, I look. bet. Yeah. I bet. I wouldn't buy it, but I'd want to see some freaky shit. <laughs> hey, I mean, be part of history. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing about that is that everybody has all these stories about the house. It seems like a lot of these very famous cases, the Warrens just kind of glommed onto them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, after a certain point, they said that they were approached. And I guess once you reach that, you know, they're known for one specific thing. Right. Yeah. So when that thing is called in the question, it's like, oh, you know, who are you going to call? Yeah. Basically. I, I remember, and this this is what was what confused me the most, is that seeing their uh, obituaries, mm-hmm. the first thing that they usually mention is Amityville investigators, Yeah, but well, they barely did anything. Yeah. But that the house is more famous, I think, than anything that they did do. So just the fact that they're even tangentially involved in it, you got to throw it in there. I talk about The Conjuring first. Yeah. But I mean, you know. I mean, I guess they weren't in those films, but <laughs> no, better that- versions of them were. We love Patrick Wilson. Yeah. And Vera Farmiga. In this house, those are the warrants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. 
If those were the ones, I would never talk shit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put and it that way. Lorraine was saying how every man that was in that house died of a heart attack. And then Ed's like, well, not every man. And she's like, no, yeah. And then is she emasculating him? Like, in yeah. And then he, she's like, well, you had your heart attack. And he was like, well, yeah. But I'm like, I, yeah. I want some. <laughs> I would like some medical reports. To- yeah. Let's she's like, it. not the women, just the men. I'm going to need <laughs> proof of every right. single. When did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But we get a card that reads one month later. George is watching the kids playing in the yard from inside and wonders if they're getting too close to the river. The kids are Amy, played by Natasha Ryan, Greg, played by Casey Martell, and Matt, played by Mino Pellucci. Kathy tells him that he's starting to sound like a real dad, and George is like, well, maybe I'd feel like one if they started calling me dad instead of George. But George is better than Mr. Lutz, which is what they used to call him. Like a businessman? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Kathy just laughs. I wish I knew a little more about how long they had been together right. and how small the kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like his relationship with the kids is not really like, obviously, he cares about them. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's not really. I don't I don't understand. It's not as clearly defined. It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. you know, as it could be. And I, I think that's what's so weird to me is that their relationship feels very lived in. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you, they're still calling him George. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. And I, I was wondering, and what's the situation with the dad? Uh, no idea. I'm. I just. I want the tea. I, I, <laughs> I didn't know if uh, it was just because of how magnetic Margot Kidder is. Maybe. Right. But their relationship feels very real and good. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And then James Brolin's just a great actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the kids' issue, I, I agree. Yeah, but. He holds up a crucifix and asks Kathy what she wants done with it. And she tells him to hang it on the wall in the living room so that the sun can hit it. He does. And we like zoom way in. (laughs) I'm like, we're going to be seeing this thing later. (laughs) I want to call out first the cinematography. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's done by a guy called Fred Konekamp. And he did. I think he did the cinematography for the towering inferno and like oh damn tons of like known pictures. Yeah, but I feel like his work in this film is so seventies and cool. (laughs) Yeah, like you get those zooms, you get a lot of like interesting like angles and like I don't know. I just Mm. really enjoy it. I also did want to point out that as we said in the beginning, they couldn't film in the real house, so they had to build a house that I think they built in New Jersey. Uh, and those are the exteriors. Yeah. The interiors are a set. Mm-hmm. And I think it was James Brolin, whenever they visited the real house, mm-hmm. he said that the house interior was way smaller than the set that they had. Oh, wow. So it said kind of a more claustrophobic feeling. Right. That yeah. the family must have felt, you know, if we believe their story. Right. Right. <laughs> that house is giant. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's huge. You're like 80 grand. Yeah, yeah damn. God damn, dude. I really don't want to come off as a dick with all the talk about the Lutzes and Allegedly. the Warrens. Allegedly. Allegedly. And again, I, I want to see a ghost. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> but when Kathy gets discouraged with sticky paper that she's trying to set up in the kitchen, they propose that they just get some beers and go outside. They do. And we see the kids playing with their dog, Harry, next to the river. But at the front of the house, Father Delaney, played by Rod Steger, knocks on the door. When no one answers him, he just lets himself inside, calling yeah. out to the family. I was like, why is he just walking in there? Yeah. yeah. I know that you're like... A priest? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. This is my home. Don't be doing that. Well, if God's everywhere, then he should be allowed... He's not well, God. <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm talking about, dude. Yeah, I'm well, not religious. I don't know how this what works. If I'm taking a shower or using yeah. the bathroom or something's going on and then you're just walking in and... 
Could he not hear them in the backyard playing with the dog? Oh, yeah. The house yeah, is huge. Outside. <laughs> <laughs> Just shows how big your house is. Right. But he hears children giggling upstairs, and he follows the sound into that spare bedroom. So now he has probable cause. Yeah. Right. From the window, he sees the family outside, and he tries to open it, but he can't even get the lock open. He just gets down to business, opening his Bible. He does notice that there are a couple flies hanging out on the window. And when he's looking at them, the room door closes shut on its own behind him. Yep. He wipes sweat from his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> now you can't leave, father. No, yeah. Hey, I'd start sweating too. Yeah. Yes. We cut to the kids playing fetch with the dog before going back to Father Delaney, who is covered in sweat now. He takes out his, I, I put sash thing. Can we say stole? Sure. He takes out his stole. <laughs> What'd they call it in The Exorcist? I don't know. I don't remember. I know they mopped up all that green vomit yeah. with it. They did. I don't think it's sash, but no. I just like sash. <laughs> Father Cares is like, here, take my sash. <laughs> <laughs> but he puts it on right. and he tries to begin blessing the house, but the flies are like on 11, just buzzing yeah. loud as fuck. See, here's the thing is that when I first saw the flies, I was like, I think someone left a sugar cube on the <laughs> windowsill. But as they continue, you're like, okay, no, this is a real Yeah, no, yeah. something's problem. happening here. And they did smear honey on Father Delaney's forehead. Yeah. <laughs> so that the flies would want a, a piece of him. <laughs> but yeah, there are flies on his face now and he's distracted from his prayer. I would honestly be more inclined to do the bees like Tony Todd than the flies. Are you insane? Mm. Is that insane? Yes. I yeah, guess I'm insane. Flies aren't going to Flies don't you. have sharp asses. I mean, they're going to yeah. throw up on you. Yeah, but. see, that's the thing. Bees don't puke as soon as they land. I puke as soon as I land. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in good company. Are we talking about airplanes? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know. Or can you fly? <laughs> <laughs> but he begins to cough as he turns to look at the greater number of flies now. Soon he's doubled over and coughing with flies all over his clothes. We cut to the family literally having the time of their lives taking off in their boat. What a cruel like yeah. <laughs> contrast. He's just dying up there. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> and he's like, rawr, rawr. <laughs> like, it's bad. But back in the room, we close way in on the flies doing some fly shit. Father Delaney has flies all over him now and he is barely moving. The door suddenly opens and everything goes silent. A voice calmly whispers to him, get out. We close up on the flies again and they're like, you heard him, bitch. Get out. <laughs> yeah. He does nothing. And then the voice screams, get out. Father Delaney finally takes the hint and stumbles down the stairs and out the front door, gasping for air at this point. Well, it's like, fuck off, dude. Yeah, Here's you were, I told you nice. Yeah. Like, I told you nicely. The kindness to open the door for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and out the way you came yeah. here. <laughs> but he barely makes it to his car before coughing and retching, then looking up at the house. I will say that the get out yeah. Yeah. sounds very scary. No, it's scary oh, as hell. Yeah. And also, it was the first treehouse of horror that yes. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was That's thinking. That's the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, this is where they got <laughs> that. Okay. Very good. Very good. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> but that night, Kathy calls Amy for dinner, but George finds her passed out in a box. He picks her up and tells Kathy to start dinner with the boys while he puts her to bed. Passed out in a box. Is this sinister? Huh. Yeah. Again, the influence. Yeah. That kid, that kid looked kind of dead at first. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, what happened? Like, that was Working fast. Yeah, I was like, right away. <laughs> Upstairs, George tucks Amy in and closes her window. We cut to Father Delaney calling the Lutz house. 
when Kathy picks up, he's still gagging and can barely talk to her. I don't know why that made me laugh. Well, it's like, yeah. wait until you're done gagging. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or just go back it's to the just house. Rude. I don't no. understand. He I'm does. not going back to that. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, did you notice that Amy and George are wearing the same shirt? No. I thought that was the cutest thing. It's very cute. And when he picks her up and takes her to her bed, it is dad energy. Like, yeah. that's yeah. what I'm saying. How long have you been a part of the family? Yes. I just want, I don't know. I, it's it's something so little and stupid, but yeah. him being like, I wish they just, but then them acting like they do have that relationship. It's just weird. Right, I don't know. Right. Contradictory, there, I think. There is whenever the kids are running off to, I guess, dinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Margot Kidder specs that kid's ass <laughs> like really hard. I hope that sound was added in post. <laughs> but once Father Delaney is done gagging and he's able to talk, Static overcomes the line and Kathy can't hear him at all. Father Delaney suddenly drops the phone and recoils from it. He rushes to his sink and runs water on his hand, which now has blisters on the palm of it. He just stares at it in wonder. The house just told you to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, mind why, your business. Yeah, Leave it alone. You come, like, what, what? A little bit of time just passed. Yeah. You're still trying again? It's been a few hours. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the same day. It's the same day. Oh, yeah, yeah no. no. The house is like, yeah, and I mean, don't call yeah. either. That's not fucking <laughs> yeah. cool. <laughs> trying to be slick. Yeah. What part do you not understand? I do want to point out uh, Father Delaney is based on the priest that visited the house yeah. called Father Pecoraro. I think his name was. Uh, uh, sounds right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Father Pecoraro, his story started like unflinching and mm-hmm. it was something along the lines of this. But then his story changed over the years like dozens of times. Yeah. And I think the worst that he felt, he said, was like flu-like symptoms. But... What Father Delaney experiences in this film only makes that hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> because the movie's like, mm, no, yeah. we'll go another We're going to fucking turn this shit up. <laughs> but back at the Lutz house, George goes into the kitchen with Kathy. They start to talk about the call, but George seems distant. She asks him if he wants to eat, and he tells her that he's not hungry. And then he comments on how cold it is. After consulting with the thermostat that says it's 72, he remarks that it feels like it's 32. Kathy proposes that it's a draft from the basement, but the whole time we're tight on George's face. He says the house was supposed to be well insulated and he walks away, leaving her looking concerned. So it begins already for George. Yeah, Yeah, this is their first night here, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and he's already acting strange. And I also did want to ask, was a classroom pencil sharpener standard in all (laughs) (laughs) houses in the 70s? That's what I told her. I said, damn, this is like Oregon Trail time. (laughs) What the fuck? He was watching it last night. He goes, a pencil sharpener. Yeah, Yeah, just in the dining room. (laughs) Sure. That's where kids are supposed to come in, have their milk, and Uh do their homework. It's the 70s, man. Interesting. George died of dysentery. (laughs) (laughs) So George goes down into the basement. We see a breeze blow past him, even moving his hair. But then then Matt comes to the stairs and somehow completely eats shit, (laughs) managing to shatter the light bulb as he goes down the entire flight of stairs. As he's falling, he whacks it with his hand (laughs) and sparks fly. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I rewound that like five times. I did too. And I don't know if that's a stunt kid. I don't know what they did. No. That made me mad on dad level so much. 
because like he's just kind of like coming down the stairs all slow. Yeah. Then falls and slaps the fucking light. I'm like, why did you do that? Why, why? Did you slap the light? Yeah, it's like why you didn't need to do that. No. It like, are you okay? Me. But why'd you do that? Like, <laughs> well, he. I mean, he fucking eats yeah. shit. He goes down the entire flight of stairs, busts the light bulb. Uh-huh. Like you said, sparks were flying. And then George is like only mildly concerned. Yeah. <laughs> well, he goes, he goes, it makes me laugh because he says, stairs are tricky when they couldn't be simpler. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he picks Matt up and takes him back upstairs. But man, I was, uh, I was laughing. Uh, but later that night in her bedroom, Kathy puts a flower in her hair and starts practicing ballet moves in the mirrored closet doors. She's nearly naked, only wearing an unbuttoned shirt with no bra, underwear, and one leg warmer. <laughs> George comes in startling her and tells her that he just can't get enough of her. He scares her and she's like, oh shit, sorry. I was yeah. just being very yeah. sexy upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, my bad. They start to kiss and they tell each other that they love each other. Then we get a pretty tame montage of them showing each other the flesh on the bedroom floor. Yeah, but they had... He didn't even close the door. He did not. He did not. So I'm like, are you new to having (laughs) kids in the house? What what is happening? Every crossfade, I thought it was going to be over. (laughs) No, it wasn't. It was like softcore. Like I was like, is this the Amityville horror (laughs) or is it the Amityville horny? Because they were, I mean, it was a long, and this is what I'm talking about. The film being longer. (laughs) Yeah. It's the Amityville whore. I think I downloaded the wrong movie. Yeah, my bad, my bad. (laughs) I will say when I was watching this the first, time because like you said it keeps cutting out and then coming i'm like god damn but i think and i didn't catch it until the second time i watched it but there might be a reason for this right but we'll talk about it later but as i said i'm I'm, gonna need to know okay i'll find it out i'll find (laughs) it out okay it's not in my notes but i will remember because when i watched it the second time i was like okay maybe that's what that was about Mm -hmm. it's i'm not saying it's the answer but it's 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 a theory it's a theory But after a really long time, I guess the door ended up getting shut Mm -hmm. because we see the doorknob turn and the door slowly cracks open to reveal Amy rubbing her eyes and asking to go home. Kathy gets up to comfort her and carries her back to her room. Once in her bedroom, Amy grabs her Raggedy Ann doll. Annabelle, Annabelle. anyone? Yeah. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, hey, Nate, (laughs) Annabelle's making an appearance. I'm fucking sick of her. Stop shoehorning. Shoehorning? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm still back on the bedroom floor Sorry. with the left. <laughs> Freudian shit, man. Stop shoehorning Annabelle in. Hey, but. is that why the Warrens fucking shoved themselves into this thing? Oh, because of, of Annabelle? Yeah. I was going to say so they could get it in on the bedroom floor. <laughs> get it in. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wait, now it's a foursome? Dude? I don't yeah. know. Oh my no, God. not with them. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Dude, you're disgusting. I'm disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Anna, Amy grabs her Raggedy Ann doll and just immediately falls asleep. Kathy goes over and closes and locks the window that George had already closed and locked earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She turns out the light and closes the door. But as soon as she does, the rocking chair in the corner of Amy's room starts rocking back and forth. And it's like the second the door closes, it's yeah. very creepy. I don't like that it's picking its spots. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, no. Like, what do you care, chair? <laughs> uh, I, trying I, to be slick. Yeah. I can't let the mom yeah. see me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just weird rules. 
But Kathy joins George in bed and he reassures her that they're just going to have to learn to live with interruptions like this. We zoom way in on Kathy's face as she closes her eyes. Learn to live with interruptions like this. So again, how long? Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know, dude. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. You got matching shirts, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not asking for, you know, we have been together for five years. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hate that shit. No, that's super annoying. But like any anything, yeah. any kind of breadcrumb, because it's not clear. Yesterday they met. She's like, want to buy a house? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but later we watch the clock turn from 314 to 315. And George immediately opens his eyes and gets out of bed, leaving Kathy asleep alone. So Emily Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This film. Yeah. The entire three o'clock hour is just out. It right. is. And I'll sometimes wake up at three something. And yes. Be like, take your ass back to bed. Take <laughs> your- <laughs> like, it's scary still. Get under the blanket. It's kryptonite. Yes. Well, um, we, yeah, we discussed that <laughs> yeah. last week. Never mind. They broke the rules. <laughs> but he puts on jeans and stops at Amy's door, hearing whispering inside the room. But when he opens the door, Amy's asleep. But when he looks out her open window, mm-hmm. he sees the door to the boathouse banging open in the breeze. I mean, that window has been closed and locked yeah. twice. Did you see Annabelle is seated in the chair now? Yes. Yeah. The Raggedy Ann doll is now seated in that rocking chair in the corner. But that's like creepy on another level because he didn't see her go to bed so like that's not even weird to him right she could have gone to bed with the doll right there it's very scary it's these little see this i like yeah yeah. and i was like so should like we be like okay when i put them to bed this was here this is (laughs) like you know what i mean you gotta take an inventory of the room now (laughs) take a photo yeah it's like when they do in film when they try to match yes (laughs) to make sure their continuity's fine yeah that's how you gotta put your kids to bed now But George goes out to check the boathouse with Harry the dog and everything looks normal. He goes back to the main house and sits next to the window in the living room to smoke a cigarette. He lights it and it's a calm moment until a very pissed off cat hops onto the windowsill yelling and hissing at him. Yeah, why? I don't know, but George George is scared. He was. (laughs) I was like, not the cat jump scare. Although I can't get mad seeing a cat. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, (laughs) even an angry cat. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I can make the cat happy is all I'm (laughs) trying to say. The next morning we get a card that reads fourth day Thursday. Kathy comes home with groceries to find George sweaty and angrily chopping wood. I don't know if she stopped at like an anime cosplay thing and then (laughs) went and got groceries. um, I I don't know what the outfit was, but I I asked the same thing. I said, what's going on with her outfit? And I was like, I don't. It was the seventies. Call her ranch. Cause she'd be be dressing. That's like my favorite joke you've ever told. <laughs> it was even funnier because you said it about fucking Gage. Gage? Yeah. From he Pet was, Cemetery. Dude. The hat. He was, though. It was the hat. He went all out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she drops the groceries and comes up behind George and grabs his butt. And he turns and he's like, never do that to a man with an axe in his hand. It's like, holy shit. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's, wow. a, very, that's a really <laughs> specific rule. Yeah. If he's, if he's got nothing well, in he his hands, <laughs> grab away. He but. was scared. <laughs> But George does not look well. But the thing is, is that he snaps at her like that. Yeah. And then just on a dime alternates demeanors. Yeah. yeah. And for me, that's jo- uh, James Brolin. I'm a for Josh. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they're the same they person. They are, but <laughs> James... Thanos' daddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Thanos Sr., <laughs> he is just a, a great actor. He is. Yeah. To yeah. be able to do that. The performances really carry this film. Mm-hmm. Remember oh, when he yeah. was on Roseanne? What was that about? I don't know, dude. That last... That didn't happen. You're right. It's (laughs) (laughs) it's upsetting, man. Anyway, 
she's like i just wanted help with the groceries because she says that he made her drop them which i don't know that logic but he tells her to just let him finish but she tells him he's chopped more than enough wood he angrily leaves his work and goes to help pick up the groceries from the driveway he brings him inside asking who the fancy tea is for and she tells him her aunt is coming over to celebrate She's the first one in the family to ever have bought a house. So it's a big deal. Right. And this, uh, do y'all notice that? <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. Margot Kidder, like, talks with her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> she, do you know what I'm saying? Her teeth are used for a lot of <laughs> consonants. Like, when you would normally use lip, it's yes. teeth. And it's funny because we always had a running joke about Pam Jackie Grant. Brown. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she did it in one scene in Jackie Brown, and so I was like, I think she went to the Pam Greer <laughs> school of uh, teeth acting. But she did. It was like distracting to me, and I was there's, like, I, I have to. But if I noticed it, I know other people did too. Yes, there's, but there's one scene that comes me. later there, that is. There's this scene, and then she does it egregiously later, yeah. and I was like, dude, I don't even hear what you're saying. No, like, <laughs> I'm just looking at your teeth, and man. I'm like, am I a jerk? I don't think. So. So I don't think I'm a jerk. Anyway, I just had to get that out of the way because I've noticed that ever since I was a kid. But I don't know how you say why. Why does she? It's talking with you. You know what I'm saying, right? Yes, of course. Okay, it makes perfect sense. Anyway, <laughs> she's the only person to ever buy a house. It's a it's a big deal in her family, mm-hmm. and George is still pissed off. He reads this as an inspection that they're not ready for, and just leaves the room. Now alone in the kitchen, Kathy starts to look around, seemingly unnerved. And she's like sniffing at the air. Yeah, Yeah, she's like, did George cut one on his way out? (laughs) (laughs) He was really mad. Yeah, he's like, we're not ready for an inspection. (laughs) (laughs) That's childish, but here's... (laughs) Maybe that's the reek of death that Ed Warren knocked him to his knees, man. And that's the thing is that they had said that they would report smelling all kinds of weird shit. I will also say that according to Snopes in that book, after they did their investigations, Mm -hmm. there were over a hundred inaccuracies. Oh my God. In the book. So I feel like this one might be one of the more realistic ones. Right. It's a new house. Maybe there is something in the walls. Who knows? Right. Yeah, that's true. Or George cut one. I don't or know. George cut <laughs> Sometimes the right answer is the simplest. Yeah. One. <laughs> but when she turns back around, Amy is suddenly standing in the kitchen. Amy tells Kathy that her friend Jody wants to play upstairs. Nope. I understand like kids have imaginary friends and right. stuff. But to me, we just moved into this house where all this fucked up shit happened. Mm. Tell me a little more about Jody. But like, tell me in the car as we're driving away from here. <laughs> well, if if she didn't have one before the house, right? Then now I'd right. be like, you, say what you, now? Yeah, yes. Who? But if she already had one before, you know, then it'd probably be like, okay, you're That's using fair. this as a way to kind of process what's going on or whatever. It is a big you know, change. To help, it's stressful. Yeah, yeah. To help. Um, to make her feel more comfortable. You know what I mean? I got somebody to play with, whatever. Yeah. But if you've never had an imaginary friend, then now... We have an issue. Yeah. We have an issue. I'm not a parent. I know you two are. If any kid I know has an imaginary friend, I'm already scared. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's going to be a house rule for me. No imaginary no. friends. <laughs> but Kathy's cool about it. She's like, well, have fun. And she asks if Jody likes sugar cookies, too. Amy looks into nothing and seems to receive a reply that Jody does not like sugar cookies. Kathy just laughs this off and sends Amy on her way. We get an exterior shot of the house with the reddish light coming through those eye windows as we Mm -hmm. hear a phone dialing. I love it. Also in the scene with Kathy and Amy, I'm living for all these zooms and the... Yeah. Yeah. It's just my favorite shit. It's just so 70s. Mm -hmm. It is. We zoom in on a church and hear Kathy's voice ask for Father Delaney. 
Father Bolin, played by Don Stroud, answers instead, saying that Father Delaney isn't feeling well. We see him sitting next to Father Delaney, who's lying in bed with a bandaged hand. Kathy says that Father Delaney was supposed to come and bless their new house yesterday, but he can just do it when he feels better. Father Bolin assures her that it's just a flu situation, but tells her that Father Delaney did come to her house yesterday. She says they waited all day for him, but he never showed up. But like they didn't, though. They no. were out on the boat yeah. having the time of their life. But and I'd if be you're like, expecting someone. Yeah, I'd yeah. be like, oh, shit. We, like, I would feel badly. But she's like, no, nah, he didn't come. <laughs> and I feel like a priest would be punctual. Right. So if oh, you yeah. tell him to be there at a time yeah. and you're out on a boat, <laughs> you're kind of the asshole. Who's yeah, fucking yeah, falling? And they were drinking. No, are yeah. out there having beer while you're waiting yeah. for the. Pr- while he's like, fucking <laughs> 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 upstairs and shit. <laughs> I did want to point out Don Stroud, who plays Father Bolin. Mm-hmm. He looked very familiar to me, mm-hmm. and I finally placed it. He plays Bill Sharp in Django Unchained, the sheriff. Holy shit! At the very beginning. How cool. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Isn't that very crazy? Cool. Love Django Unchained. Great movie. But she tells Father Bolin to tell him that they hope he feels better and then they just get off the phone. Father Bolin looks over Father Delaney who is sleeping with beads of sweat all over his face. We cut back to the house where a nun holding a flower is crossing the lawn. This is Aunt Helena played by Irene Daly. I was surprised to see her be a nun yeah <laughs> i'm like was it just me yeah can, can i ask why that was shocking because i was shocked too i was like their aunt's a nun yeah yeah i well I, at first i thought it was like okay so somebody from the church is coming that's back. what i thought too and then when i seen the flower i was like oh is this her aunt yeah or, yeah i just thought they sent someone else yeah it was a little weird i was like huh all right but inside the house the toilet is backing up and while the family is gagging we see thick black <laughs> sludge <laughs> bubbling out of it is that tar? I don't it know what like it, it is, but I, I want no know. parts of it. Is it evil concentrate? <laughs> <laughs> George goes to check the toilet in Amy's room and it's fine until he flushes it. Then black sludge starts to pour out of it as well. Downstairs, Aunt Helena rings the doorbell. Kathy tells Matt and Greg to go let her in and they go reluctantly not excited about Aunt Helena's constant mm. pinching. But like when when they leave, she's like, no, don't be telling anybody about this. <laughs> Just as they reach the bottom of the stairs, Aunt Helena busts in laughing and pinching cheeks. So I guess these church people do not believe yeah. in waiting to be let in. Not so much. They're well, reverse vampires. Well, <laughs> just walk right well in. her I can understand if that's her niece's yeah, house or that's family. Yeah. But I mean, dude was... Not the priest. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know them. Yeah. But the boys beat a hasty retreat with Harry the dog out the front door. I laughed so hard at the kids bailing. Yeah, yeah. they're like, like, fuck this. She'll be down in a minute. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. But Aunt Helena continues to giggle until she takes a couple more steps into the house. Then she immediately stops. The overhead chandelier starts to shake and twinkle loudly, disorienting her. She stumbles into the kitchen and drops her plant as she cries out. And then the chandelier just stops. Kathy comes down and now sweaty Aunt Helena is like, I got to go. She says she's not feeling well. Kathy's like, well, I brought your favorite tea and I'll make you some now. But Aunt Helena says she feels awful. And despite Kathy's protest, she pushes her way toward the front door. George comes down and Kathy's like, make her stay. I'm like, does she want her to beat her ass? (laughs) Grab her. (laughs) The housework fast. Yeah. No, yeah, immediately. She pulled a psychic from paranormal activity. (laughs) I cannot help you. Mm -hmm, No. In fact, being here at all is bad. But George does not beat her ass and she leaves out the front door. She immediately goes to her car and drives away. But once off the property. (laughs) (laughs) But 
what's off the property she pulls over and loudly and violently vomits on the side of the road dude i laughed so hard she's like Whoa! Yeah. Dude, it was so dramatic so i wonder what it's doing i mean god damn i don't see well they said flu-like symptoms that was yeah, a hell of yeah. a flu man why can't you just be congested yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i guess it's because these people are so ingrained with the church right because I mean, they're just living there mostly fine at right, this point. Right. But the second they step inside, even the priest got all the way upstairs yeah, that night. Yeah. It was like, uh-uh, bitch, yeah. nope. Mm-mm. It's like, I thought we told you yeah. guys. <laughs> right, I already kicked your friend out. Right, he, was, he should have spread the word. But we get a card that reads, Fifth Night Friday. While Kathy is painting, so she dances, she paints. Mm-hmm. Very talented. Yeah, but we see George in another room loading wood onto the fire. We're watching him through the flames. I thought it was a really cool shot. Mm -hmm. And he puts more wood into the fire and then sits and stares at it. I know I've said it before, but George does not look well. Yeah. Something's something's going on. Something's (laughs) happening. Finished painting. Kathy comes downstairs to see him. She calls at him from the doorway, but he doesn't even acknowledge her. She asks if he's coming to bed and he tells her he will in a minute, but the fire had gone out. Kathy asks if he's still cold and she hopes he's not getting sick. George says he'll be fine because he needs to be healthy for Kathy's brother's wedding. She tells him that he should just sleep in tomorrow. But he's like, I've worked to do. <laughs> I've worked to do unpacking. I don't want to be up to my asses in boxes forever. Yeah. It's like, OK, dude, damn. <laughs> She's on your side. Right. Yeah. We're trying to get you well. But we cut to Kathy lighting a cigarette in the darkness of their bedroom. George turns on the light and we see they're both naked with the sheets over them. George apologizes, <laughs> saying he doesn't know what's wrong with him. Kathy reassures him that it happens all the time, but George is like, not to me, it doesn't. And this is what I think that extended scene was earlier, because oh, I think we're supposed uh, to be like, nah, okay. George be fucking. Like, yeah, this is not no, normal. No, I yeah. think that's what- it works. <laughs> <laughs> I, think- <laughs> I think that's what this is so supposed stupid. to be. <laughs> <laughs> that's the film saying that. Yeah. Demons. Remember, we just showed yeah, you. Right. Like- yeah. Demons may cause erectile dysfunction. <laughs> But she puts out her cigarette and tells him to turn out the light. They say they love each other in the darkness. Later, we get different shots from the house, the living room, the stairs. Finally, Amy's bedroom door opens. Suddenly, Kathy sits up in bed and screams at the top of her lungs before crying out, she was shot in the head! That was jarring. We're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Can you please stop screaming? (laughs) I just told you I don't feel well. Yeah. That broke right right, <laughs> right through his NyQuil. <laughs> <laughs> yes. George just wakes up and looks at the bedside clock, and it is 3.15. I, wouldn't you be like, are you okay? Like He's yeah. just like, God damn, man. Yeah. <laughs> Every night with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see the house in this red, like infrared light mm-hmm. situation. I feel like it's being like the house is like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah. was shot in he's the He's like, this is day four, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you think that infrared shit, Rob Zombie? I'm sure. Yes. We'll just say yes. All right. But we get a card that says sixth day Saturday. The score plays as Father Bolin drives Father Delaney, who slumped over in the passenger seat. Father Bolin asks why this couldn't wait. And Father Delaney tells him he doesn't know. He just knows he has to get back to this house. But like you, you, you've been told. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm losing sympathy. (laughs) (laughs) But he just assures Father Bolin that he's all right. Suddenly, the steering wheel starts to have a mind of its own. It keeps swerving them into oncoming traffic, and both priests pulling on the wheel narrowly keep them from getting into several accidents. Mm -hmm. 
Father Bolin stomps on the brake, but the car doesn't stop. The hood flies up, blocking their vision. It's just like, God damn, <laughs> yeah. dude. How many times do I have to? Yeah. <laughs> the car flies through an intersection, jumps a curb, and hits a sign, causing it to finally stop. As the horn blares, Father Delaney looks at the windshield to see a fly on it, buzzing noisily. The fly's like, we fucking told yeah, you. Yeah, you've been horned, man. <laughs> the fly was insult to injury. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was just to let him know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know why this happens. Yeah. It's like, the house, remember? Yeah. <laughs> you did this to your friend. His car is all fucked up now. <laughs> I do. Why is this so far reaching? What? That the, when they're driving down the road? Yeah. Yes. And why is it? the? Why do they hate the priest so much? Like... <laughs> They're not done with the priest. No. We'll get into it. But back at the house, the boys are decorating the car with a just married sign and cans hanging from the bumper. Harry is barking loudly, blowing up their spot because they're like trying to be slick about (laughs) it. Inside, Kathy's brother, Jimmy, played by Mark Van Hanian, counts and recounts the $1,500 he needs for the caterer. The caterer is only accepting cash. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's a little shady, but (laughs) Kathy comes in and tells him to relax. He tucks the money away in his coat pocket and Kathy tells him he looks great. She starts to get choked up, explaining that it feels like just yesterday she was riding him around on her bike and now he's getting married. He gets up and hugs his sister. George walks in the room and stands in the doorway with his arms crossed. Jimmy tells him that he looks terrible. In fact, George does not look well. Think Dennis (laughs) when he was pretending not to be sick. (laughs) He looks fucking bad. Could a sick man do this? Kathy says it's just a flu thing going around. Amy has it too. Jimmy says that if George isn't filling up to the task, he understands, but George says he's the best man and he's ready. The babysitter Jackie, played by Amy Wright, comes in and asks if she's supposed to give Amy aspirin. Kathy tells her that Amy can take one before bed. She goes over and asks George if she's all right, and he's like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy's starting to panic as he goes through his jacket pocket. The $1,500 that he just put away isn't there. I'm like, now the house is fucking... (laughs) (laughs) Fucking pickpocket bullshit. (laughs) I will say, as soon as this happened, the babysitter did side-eye Jimmy. Uh (laughs) And I was like, I know George is infested and all, but... Infested. My money's on the... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Those wages can't be great. No, of course not. And he's out here just flaunting his 1500. He was, (laughs) counting it several times. Yeah. But he and Kathy start to look for it. Jimmy fully freaking out as he turns out his pockets. Outside, the boys start playing with the horn and George yells at them to stop. Yeah, <laughs> This reminds me of something I read in the good housekeeping thing on them uh-huh. where George was like, you know, before we moved into that house, we never laid a hand on the kids. I was like, uh, what wait, the what? fuck? <laughs> now we're just beating the shit out of them. It's like, what? I was like, what's the implication here? And they made up the story just to avoid yeah. charges. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. Ghosts, right? I was like, God damn. But Kathy says that they need to leave now because they're already late. When Jimmy asks what he's going to do about the caterer, George calmly speaks up. The money has to be here somewhere. And in the meantime, he'll write a check for the caterer himself. So he's still kind of there, but he's yeah, losing I was the like, battle. Even uh, Kathy's like, <gasps> yeah, <laughs> like it was very nice. It was very sweet. Yeah. I uh, read that they actually were late for her brother's wedding, but because uh. the how they didn't want to leave the house. It got to the point where they needed to be inside the house at all times. They would not leave the house. They wait. didn't even go Christmas shopping. They made it a point to say. Wait, so now they love the house? I don't know, dude. Yeah. I'm just yeah. telling you the facts that I found on my research. So this is <laughs> inaccuracy number 42. <laughs> <laughs> but Kathy hugs George and kisses him, and Jimmy finally calms down. He looks back at the couch one last time before they leave the room. 
The scene ends with a zoom that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it was a choice. Yeah. yeah, it was a choice. And I was all about these zooms, and I'm like, I think you're over. <laughs> now you're over zooming. Yeah. But that night, from outside of the house, we see the lights go on in the attic room. Jackie comments on how cold it is and goes to close Amy's window. She tells Amy it's time for her to take an aspirin because it's time to go to bed. Amy says she doesn't want to go to bed. She just wants to stay up and play with Jody. Jackie tells her she has to go to bed early because she's sick, so don't smart off. I'm God like, damn. okay, listen, lady. She's like, this house lets me beat you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amy confesses that she wasn't sick. She just didn't want to eat meatloaf. And she does seem fine. Yeah. Jackie walks into the closet, and as soon as she's out of the room, the rocking chair starts to rock on its own. Jackie turns around just in time for the closet door to be slammed in her face. She tries to open the door, but it won't budge. She calls out to Amy, but Amy doesn't answer her. She continues to bang on the door, and she starts to cry. From outside the house, we see the attic lights go out. Back inside, we see that Amy's just sitting on her bed looking at the closet door. Well, Annabelle got that girl. Yeah. And she's like, nope. <laughs> I'll handle yeah. it. Don't yeah. worry about it. Inside the closet, Jackie continues to sob, her knuckles now bloody and staining the door. Amy just stares blankly as Jackie continues to bang and scream and cry. Finally, the light in the closet goes out and Jackie screams. That was just insult to injury. It yeah. was. So I think we got to agree that the babysitter is overreacting here. I mean, the door was closed yeah. for two seconds. Two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bang my hands fucking bloody yeah. in two seconds because and there's nothing in the closet happening. No. Yeah. It's just a closet. She was upset. I yeah. guess, man. She's like, I'm supposed to brush after every meal or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, the dentist said, I don't know. Put my headgear. Yeah, she did have headgear. She did. But at the wedding, everyone seems to be having a great time dancing around Jimmy and his bride, played by Ellen Sayland. Kathy chats with Aunt Helena, who's still wearing her habit. Like, do they have to wear that all the time? It's mm -hmm. a wedding. Put some glitter on it. Do something. Put no. some glitter on it? They can't dress up? That's they can't put glitter on it. <laughs> that's, that's what they wear. Yeah. It's honestly a bad habit. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Aunt Helena apologizes for her behavior, saying that she doesn't know what came over her, but she barely made it half a block from the house before <laughs> vomiting. And I mean, yeah. she's right. She's like, no, it made me laugh because she's like, oh, no, I'm fine. I just ralphed in the street. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, fam. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Kathy explains it away as a virus. Amy and Father Delaney both have it, too. And George... We don't know what's the matter with yeah. George. No. He looks like one of those goddamn ghouls. Yeah. yeah. She, Something is wrong. Something's yeah. wrong with George. She excuses herself and joins the rest of the party. In the bathroom, George watches his face as he talks to the caterer, played by Eddie Barth. The caterer insists that the deal was cash. George simply explains that the cash is gone and he's going to have to take a check. We see through a crack in the door that Kathy is standing in the hallway listening. As the caterer explains that checks are not cash and why he doesn't like checks, George stands from the sink. He tells him he doesn't like lectures, nor does he like being hassled in the men's room. He's writing him a check, and if that's not good enough, then he can eat his own goddamn food. George wow. does not look well. <laughs> he doesn't. And I do want to point out that before before they left, he goes, I'll handle the caterer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'll write him a check. It's like the back and forth is a What's lot. Happening? So wow. I was like, he's going to beat the shit out of the caterer. <laughs> Or if he doesn't take the check. Fair. I mean, I mean, take the fucking check, man. Muttering to himself, the caterer steps out into the hallway and Kathy goes inside and feels George's forehead. George admits that he doesn't think he can make it through the reception. He tells Kathy to go get the boys so that they can leave. So we cut to them pulling up to the house. They go inside and Kathy immediately tells the boys to just go to bed. 
We see that Jackie is still in the closet, sobbing and banging on the door. George and Kathy hear her and rush upstairs. Her hands are just bones at this point. Right. (laughs) We see them enter the room through the open window, which is another interesting shot. Yeah. Uh They open the door to the closet to find Jackie on the floor still sobbing. She says that the door closed and locked and she couldn't get out. But George tells her that there's not a lock on the door at all. To prove her wrong, George closes himself in there and easily lets himself out. I'm like, that does not help. Dude, yeah. how would you Your little demonstration does not matter. Yeah. She's it's like, insulting. Oh, I wish I had known this two bloodless <laughs> hands oh, ago. Yeah. Oh, push out. Oh, you oh, like, you oh, I was pulling. Them. You should put a sign on that door. <laughs> but Jackie comes for Amy, who's still just sitting on the bed, asking yeah. why she didn't open the door and let her out. Kathy doubles down, saying that she heard Jackie knocking. Amy's like, Jody wouldn't let me. George is like, who's Jody? (laughs) And Amy says she's her friend that plays with her. George is like, what exactly are we talking about here? Like, he's fucking fed up. I want to point this out early. Jody is in this film almost seeming to be a child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jody was not a child. (laughs) I'll save it for what Jody was in real life because it's fucking hilarious. Right. And it is touched on in this film. It's touched on. <laughs> it is touched on. Part yeah. of their end montage of, oh shit, we forgot. <laughs> yeah, we forgot to add this yeah. part. Yeah, but we'll talk. But he turns on the boys who are eavesdropping in the doorway, telling them that he told them to go to bed. He tells Kathy, these kids of yours need some goddamn discipline before walking out of the room. Kathy starts to leave to get something for Jackie's hands. And then Amy's like, George yelled at me. Yeah. She goes, well, then you should have opened the door. Amy just smiles and says that Jody does not like George. Man, she that that girl with the the skeleton head, <laughs> she should have slapped that little girl. <laughs> like you, what? Yeah, she's just smiling about it. It's like, oh, she no. was. She's uh-huh. having a good night. She didn't have to go to the damn wedding. No, she just... didn't have to eat that fucking yeah. meatloaf <laughs> <laughs> with the skeleton hand. <laughs> but George goes down to the living room to look for the money. He looks under the couch and finds a closed five hundred dollar band. But the money inside of it is gone. I swear to God, if that demon has a new chain the next time. (laughs) (laughs) He screams, where is it? And we look at a decorative dragon and then it fades to black. I was like, that dragon knows something. Well, I figured it was just a special appearance by Pazuzu. (laughs) So I was like, hey, but the dragon looks good. The dragon did look good. I assumed the demon spent the money on the dragon. Oh, (laughs) that wasn't there before. It's got like shifty eyes like, oh, shit. (laughs) Maybe they didn't notice I'm here. (laughs) It is funny that you bring Pazuzu into this. Yeah. Because the fucking well, that was crude. The book, <laughs> the book was criticized by bringing in a lot of elements from The Exorcist. Uh, I feel that in the film. Yeah, you I, can yeah, tell. Especially it is. later on. Yeah. Oh yeah, and other properties. Yeah, oh, yeah. but you know, you know, <laughs> we'll talk. We <laughs> we get a card that reads Eighth Day Monday. At a church, Father Nuncio, played by John Larch, tells Father Delaney that there has to be an explanation for everything. Father Ryan, played by Murray Hamilton, chimes in that they just can't be going around and blaming Satan. (laughs) Father Delaney says that he looked into the murders. He looked into the 20-year-old who murdered his parents and his four brothers and sisters. Even at trial, he said he heard voices in the house that told him to do it. He was also in that house, and he heard the voices. He felt a presence. He's getting heated, but Father Ryan says that half of murderers say the same thing. The voices made them do it. This is me arguing with you guys. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say, first of all, Father Nuncio and... Father Ryan. 
they should know Father Delaney, right? Yeah, yeah. that's what kind of confused me about this whole scene because I was like, okay, I get maybe you are trying to cover it up, but you are not acting. You're just acting like you don't believe yeah. him yeah. or you don't know this They're dude. They're like, shut up, science yeah. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It, it kind of did bother me because they, they're like the wheel locked, you know, yeah. like all this shit, like mocking this dude. But I'm like, you know him. Yeah, you yeah. should. And it's funny because they're like, we can't blame Satan. The satanic panic is the 80s. We're, yeah, we're not there we're, yet. We're not. That's ahead of us. Yeah. Soon we can. <laughs> but Father Delaney tells him to explain his hand then and explain their car going out of control. Father Boland says that the wheel locked and Father Ryan is immediately skeptical. He's like, hmm. So a mechanical issue. Yeah. He goes, there are recalls for parts all the time. <laughs> Father Delaney understands that it's the fashion now to just cover things up. When Father Ryan says there's nothing to cover up, Father Delaney yells that this is bureaucratical bullshit. I was like, <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. The other two priests are shook, but Father Delaney is not done. He stands up, continuing to yell that he's not some punk kid. He's a trained psychotherapist. He went in that house and what he saw, felt and heard was real. He has a family in his parish that are in danger. Father Ryan is like, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> he yells at him that his secular education doesn't give him the right to question the church. He screams at him to sit down. And after a moment of hesitation, Father Delaney does. When he sat down, I was like, damn it. Yeah, no, they'd be calling me Father Fisticuffs because <laughs> you don't fucking tell me to sit down. What I don't understand is he's telling him this, but he is a priest. Yeah. yeah. You can't be like, no, no. Like you're just some yeah. dude that wandered in. I'm yeah, so I, don't, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't get it. What? I don't get it. He's your buddy, dude. Yeah. What the fuck? fuck are you talking about and i think that's the other i do want to point out very quickly though that rod steger is acting his ass off oh yeah oh, he yeah. is mm -hmm. margo kidder in an interview said that he believed the story mm -hmm. and that he used it to channel into oh, his because right. you can feel his anger yeah. yeah and it feels legitimate but even then here's the thing i i know that i'm often i'm probably seen as father ryan or whatever mm -hmm. in this group yes but <laughs> <laughs> but if you guys came to me and said hey this is what I saw. Knowing you, you know I, us. Yeah. I would believe you. Yeah, this or, isn't the Warrens talking to me. This right. is you guys. <laughs> or at least be like, okay, I'll go check it out for myself. Yeah. Yes, not just sweep it under the rug and be like, "Hey, you're full of shit." Yeah, and that's just gonna piss this dude off more. Yeah, yeah. as it would anyone. Yeah. But Ryan basically tells him that this is hysteria, and even psychotherapists can lose touch with reality. He says that both he and Father Nuncio have seen their share of phenomena and it never once ended up being Satan. Did they ask? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Satan, is that you? It wasn't me. Father Delaney asked that they, <laughs> that they understand each other. He explains that the church is his home and his strength. He starts to cry as he says that he needs her now and so does that family. Father Ryan's like, how long, you, how long has it been since you've seen your family? Because you yeah. need to take a vacation. He and Father Nuncio get up and leave the room. As they walk out, Father Nuncio is like, get a haircut and a shave to Father Bolin. Uh, he yeah. looked clean shaven he already. Did, he did. But yeah, that's the most pressing issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Father, it's like, I like to think that Father Ryan and Delaney are just screaming at each other and Father Nuncio is just sitting there like, his fucking hair, yeah, man. Yeah, I can't handle this. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it. But Father Delaney slumps down in his chair, defeated. Back at the Amityville house, George is back at it again with the wood chopping action and Kathy watches him from the window. She turns away looking worried. We get a card that reads the 11th day, Thursday. Carolyn and Jeff, played by Helen Shaver and Michael Sachs, pull up to the house. 
Did you recognize her as Nancy's mom from The Craft? I have it yeah. written down. I was going to blow your mind with it, but your mind is already My blown. My mind's already blown. Yeah, I was like, that's Grace Downs. <laughs> <laughs> they get out of the car to admire the house. Carolyn's saying that she thought they owned a small business, but Jeff tells her that it's growing. As he speaks and they look up at the house, the smile vanishes from Carolyn's face. She says that she doesn't want to get any closer and starts taking steps back. Her eyes fill with tears and she says that the house gives her the creeps before just getting back in the car. Jeff continues onto the property alone with the box. He finds George sharpening his axe in the yard. Jeff's like, I don't want to bother you. <laughs> he says the line is always busy and nobody has seen George in days. He hasn't even signed the payroll checks that he was supposed to. Jeff takes the checks out of the box and tries to give them to George, but George is just focused on the axe. He absently asks what day it is and Jeff's like, it's Thursday. George seems surprised by this, but just continues sharpening the axe. And he's like, man, they should have been paid yesterday. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's the point, George. <laughs> Jeff says that also a caterer has been calling, complaining that he <laughs> wrote him a personal check that bounced. Dude, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that's the why he doesn't bounced. take checks. Yep. He's like, new policy? Yeah. <laughs> no checks from ghouls? No. <laughs> Not from ghouls. I Wow. He says that also someone from the IRS has been calling. So, yeah, there you go. And I, oop. Yeah. He's like, if only someone could write a book with you guys. <laughs> You'd probably be able to get yourself out of this mess. Yeah. But George stands and grabs up the axe, angrily asking Jeff if he has any good news. George does not look well. <laughs> Jeff says that he brought him the spotlight for his boat and he'll put it on for him. George smiles at this and they start toward the boathouse, but George stops <laughs> and just fucking throws the axe, priest yeah. from Prince of Darkness style, <laughs> into the tree. It's like Cristo Domino. <laughs> fucking throws it. I was I, like, that was impressive, dude, man. I'm sorry, but fucking Art Garfunkel should have been way more impressed <laughs> by that throw. It's like, wow, man. Thanos got his skills from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the other side of the house, Matt and Greg are lowering a fake spider with a fishing pole onto Amy. She sits on the ground outside, giving her dolls the business, telling one in particular not to be a smart ass. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I never hit my dolls before we moved. In <laughs> <laughs> she sees the boys and calls up to them to stop teasing her. Kathy walks in the room and they both turn to her, pulling the fake spider back inside like, we wasn't doing nothing. Dude, she caught them like George with the marble rye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to keep bringing up George Costanza, but... No, bring him up. Bring All him right. up. He is my favorite. She asks what they're doing in her room and the window immediately slams down on Greg's hand. He screams, causing George and Jeff to come running back toward the house. They enter the room and all of them, George, Jeff, Kathy, Matt, try to raise the window, but it won't budge. That kid's hand exploded. Yeah, well, like, it was bad. It was real bad. It was like some Evil Dead shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was messing with Jody's homegirl. That's dude. it. Yeah, she's. Oh, stop teasing yeah. you. Bet. <laughs> with their van parked outside of a hospital, we zoom in on the statue of I think the Virgin Mary mm -hmm. that's sitting on the Lutz's dashboard. Mm. We pan out and watch them leaving the hospital. I do want to say that when his hand was crushed, yeah. those tears were flowing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They probably broke I his was, hand. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, did he really crush that kid's this hand? This was the 70s, man. Yeah. Wow. Don't tell him, but we're going to ruin his hand. <laughs> George is carrying Greg and his hand is wrapped up. When they get to the car, George says it's amazing that he didn't break one bone. Hmm. hmm. That night, a storm rages outside. Kathy whispers to George, who is asleep, asking if he's awake. And I'm like, just let that man sleep. He does yeah. not look well. No. But she's like pretty weird about those bones, yeah. right? <laughs> it's like you had all day to talk about that. Why are you going to wake him up now? 
But she does whisper, ask him, isn't it strange that none of the bones were broken in Greg's hand? It's funny to me that because we just heard George say this. And yeah. now two seconds later, she's like, not but about them bones. Though. <laughs> yeah, we just heard that. She pleads that she needs to talk to him. But George continues to sleep. Kathy finally lays back down and we zoom in on George's face and he opens his eyes. <laughs> He's like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in the fucking mood, man. Is that enough? Later, the clock goes from 314 to 315 and we hear the sound of a fly buzzing. George wakes and gets out of bed, leaving Kathy sleeping alone. Was that his alarm setting? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I'm awake. (laughs) He goes into a room and switches on the light. There are flies covering the window and they're on the ceiling and the wall. The buzzing is loud. George tries to open the window to let the flies out, but he can't. Flies just start crawling on him. The door starts to creak as it shakes back and forth. Finally, we hear a huge crack of thunder and the front door to the house is blown off the hinges. <laughs> Did the flies do that? I, oh, I thought that was a lot, man. I'm going to be honest. That is the last thing I expected <laughs> to, to happen. Well, no, we're immersed in the flies. Yeah. And then it's just, oh, okay. And again, this is a story that they told. Oh. They said that this happened. Kathy runs into the hallway and she follows George downstairs, refusing to stay behind when he tells her to. And it's funny because there's not one fly on George. No. <laughs> he just left the room. But she stands behind George as he inspects the door. The storm is just over now. They're startled from behind and they turn to see Amy standing there. George is like, God damn it, don't stand up on me. <laughs> He's like, you're looking at my ex. <laughs> he tells Kathy to call the police as he goes upstairs to check something. She scoops Amy up and hugs her. Back upstairs, George goes into the room to find the fly window open with nary a fly around. He closes the window. Later, police officers, including Sergeant John Frito, are at the house. He lights a cigar and asks one of the cops what's going on, but the cop doesn't know. He goes inside and is introduced to George and Kathy, but stops and takes a long look at George. The other cop tells him that the same thing happened to the basement door that happened to the front door. George menacingly leads the sergeant down into the basement. I would not go into yeah. that basement. No. It's like, we can talk from here. <laughs> he inspects the door, which also looks ripped right off the hinges. Harry is in the basement and George asks him what he's doing down there. But Harry is whining and scratching at the floor. Harry's the dog. If you'll remember. Yeah, I remember. Okay. <laughs> no, it's one of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> when George says they've only lived there for a couple weeks, the sergeant asks him if he's related to the family who lived here before. Because he looks a lot like them. Mm -hmm. George screams at Harry to stop his scratching. And Harry does for a moment, but runs right back to the same spot, scratching again and growling now. Your dog's trying to tell you something, dude. Listen. (laughs) The animals always know. They always know. (laughs) They come back upstairs and the sergeant asks if there have been vandals around because the doors were broken from the inside. When burglars break in, the doors are broken out. Aren't Wait, they broken? In? Yeah. yeah. I, I was like, you sure you're a cop man? <laughs> I think this dude just shows up. Is that at badge made of chocolate? <laughs> George says someone broke into the house, heard him coming and ran off. The sergeant asks who broke the basement door then. George says they must have come from the cellar and ran out the front door. The sergeant says no windows are broken down in the basement, though. Aren't you supposed to be solving this? Right. George Lutz and is why- not your partner. <laughs> no. And why would they break down the front door when they could just open it? And George does not have an answer for that. The sergeant tells them he'll put a watch on their house and to call if anything else happens as George fiddles with the broken part of the staircase. It was odd to me that they put a watch on the house. Yeah, that is a little strange. Well, here's here's one thing that I did want to point out. I did. I think it was in the New Republic. I read that... The Lutzes actually never called the police. Uh, 
it wasn't until we'll talk about the end of the story. Right. But they said, don't you think that if your front door exploded, you would call the police? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> like, you know? I'd call the police about the flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, get rid of these flies. This is unacceptable. <laughs> but even the neighbors, they interviewed some of the neighbors and they were like, their door never exploded. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's an easy thing to fact yeah. check. Yeah. If you look across the street and your neighbors don't have a front door, <laughs> you're going to notice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But they, I mean, again, they're, that's one thing I give to the film is they're being very faithful to the story the Lutz is told. Yeah. So, you know, as a story, and again, if this shit's happening, it is very scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But once the cops are gone, George sits on the porch and Kathy crying sits down beside him. She begins to sob and George comforts her. She asks why everything is going wrong and tells him that they need to do something. From across the street, the sergeant lights another cigar and watches them from his car. I was like, by put a watch on, you mean yeah. like you're sitting across the street and watching <laughs> yeah. the house. That shot, I was like, is he doing this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I bet if I crush one more kid's hand, I he's, bet. <laughs> he's the ghost. Yeah, I'll get to buy the house. We get a card that reads 12th day, Friday. We zoom in on the reddish windows of the attic. Inside, Amy tells Kathy that Jody told her everything's going to be better. Looking a little rough, Kathy asks Amy what Jody looks like. Instead of answering, she just says that Jody's nice and that she tells her things. She says that Jody told her about the little boy that used to live in her room, but he got hurt and died. Now, that This is when you got me fucked up. Yeah. This is why you should have asked detailed questions about Jody. Not, does she like cookies? Oh, no, no yeah. fuck the cookies, man. So she yeah. hates sugar cookies. <laughs> Get the fuck out of there. It's like, well, did she tell you about a dead boy? Yeah. yeah. Kathy looks horrified and asks what else Jody has told her. Amy says Jody wants her to live here forever so that they can play together. Again, you got me yeah. fucked up. Big problem. Outside, George gets on a motorcycle that I didn't know he had and takes yeah. off. <laughs> They're just making him look like a badass, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Harry's tied to the porch and is freaking out. We see George <laughs> riding down the street just expressionless. At the house, Kathy sends the kids off, telling them to be home by 3.30, but then she looks back up at the house. George leaves town hall with blueprints in his hand. He puts it on his bike and takes off again. <laughs> the, here's the, <laughs> the problem with that. The blueprints are very important. Yeah. I don't remember them coming up again I in the house. I do not think they do. But Because there's a big reveal later that matters with yeah. the blueprints. Yeah, no. He didn't even tie them down or anything. No. He just placed them there. Uh, he's so cool that those blueprints are not going anywhere. Mm. They're like, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> we catch up with George at the library and he does not look well. He looks through the books before picking one up with the crucified Jesus on the back of it. He scans it for a moment and then just fucking steals it. Yeah, you could have checked it it's out. Why? Library. <laughs> yeah, why not just check it out? I, I don't know, but I was laughing. It was so unnecessary. The way that he walks, he's like, oh, don't mind me. Yeah. <laughs> Inconspicuous, smelly man, clearly possessed. It's fine. Back at the house, Kathy is making another phone call, pleading with someone to answer. We see that the phone is ringing in Father Delaney's room. He stands listening to it ring and looks at his bandaged hand. He finally answers it and she breaks down in tears, telling him she has to talk to him. He tells her to listen to what he has to tell her and static drowns out his voice. Is that what he had to say? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) In his office, Father Delaney is red faced and gasping for air. What part do you not understand? The house is like, we're going to have to make an example of you. (laughs) I did not want to have to do this. No, I even opened the door for you. Yeah, We started polite. (laughs) 
In her kitchen, Kathy cries and begins to pray. A breeze goes over her, moving her hair. She looks around and is distracted by a sound. There's a man knocking on the window. She goes over to him and he says that everyone just wanted to come and welcome her to the neighborhood. But he's the only one there and he's holding a six pack of beer. Yeah. Kathy just locks the door and then the phone rings. She goes to answer it, but it's only static and then a dial tone. Kathy goes back over to the door, but the man is gone. Yeah. Why was this sequence so frightening to me? I don't know. Because him not being there, I was like, I'm scared. Yeah. Was that even real? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what any of that was. What if it should have been one of those reveals where he turns around and there's like his, the back of his head's blown out? <laughs> it's just the sixes. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's like, yeah, we're all coming from across the street, and you see the back <laughs> of his head. Oh my god. <laughs> we cut back to George. It's darker outside now, and he pulls up to a bar. He goes inside where Jeff greets him, relieved that he wasn't stood up. He's like, hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) (laughs) George tells him not to give him any shit because he doesn't have time for it right now. Jeff's like, relax, man, and orders them a beer. After my first meeting with George yesterday. Yeah. And the way my wife reacted to the house. Yeah. I'd be meeting, honestly, well, you know what? Never mind. I would be meeting him at a bar. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely would meet him at a public place and I would definitely try to get him away from the house. Yes. But the thing is, is that we have very limited knowledge of George pre-house, but he seemed like a cool dude. Very much. He has that motorcycle. And so he has, I mean, (laughs) clearly he's a cool dude. So Jeff, I feel like if this is your business partner, you know him at least a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And even at the house, he was just like, George, no, you got to sign the book. Like, I would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? My friend, what the hell is going on? Like, that's how I am. But he's just like, hey, man, you you came. Let's have (laughs) some. Like, what? This man does not look okay. He's clearly unwell. I don't understand. Um, I know it's nitpicky or whatever, but him just being like, Two beers. Like, what kind <laughs> what of beer? Kind of beer? Yeah, That's what true. If you give me something shitty, I don't like. Yeah. And like you said, if they should know each other, he should know what, what he, drinks. he drinks. True. Yeah. Two the, good beers. Yeah. <laughs> the bartender's like foreign, domestic. Yeah, like, what, what the do fuck you are you talking want? about? I do want to point out that the bar's name is The Witch's Brew. Oh, very cool. Great name. Yeah. In, uh, actually, I'll save that. There's more coming in a second. All right. But he asked George if he's okay because he looks terrible. <laughs> The bartender, played by Hank Garrett, comes over, but drops the beer when he sees George. He tells him he looks just like that kid. In fact, that kid was sitting right where George is sitting (laughs) now when he got arrested. Jeff asks what he means, and the bartender's like, that kid, you know, the one that lived in the house down by the river and killed his entire family last year. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a whole lot. It was Uh a lot. Uh, Yeah, but I I did want to point out, this is where I'll say it. The bar that Ronald DeFeo went to was called Henry's, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he did like the day after the murder. F- motherfucker just went no, he to work. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. after work, he goes to a bar and he's like, he busts and he's like, I think, yeah. I think my parents yeah. have been shot or yes. whatever. Yeah. But I did look and in all fairness, James Brolin does look a lot like Ronald DeFeo. He does. Yeah. So, I mean, not, for what it's not, worth. I wouldn't think they were the same person. No, though. not enough to drop the beer. Because he drops no, the beer and then no. he says all that. And then he's like, no offense. And then goes to get more beer. It's no like, offense. I mean, you can't. You look like who you yeah. look like. Right. 
I told a coworker one time that she looked like Casey Anthony because she looked just like Casey Anthony, and uh-huh. she got very upset with me. Well, yeah. so maybe people don't want to hear that. <laughs> you, well, I mean, in all fairness, you're not saying you look like what Casey Anthony is capable <laughs> yeah. of. She looked just like Casey Anthony. Like looking like Casey Anthony is probably the best thing about Casey Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> if we're honest with ourselves. But George is like, I gotta go. We can talk another time. But Jeff tells him no. They need to talk now. He says the business is falling apart. People keep calling and their bills need to be paid. He's like, I know you're busy unpacking, but life goes on. George warns Jeff not to push him because he does not have the patience. But Jeff is done. He tells him that he knew this would happen. And he already told George he was taking on too much. Marrying a woman with three kids, buying a house with a giant mortgage. He changes his religion and then forgets about his business obligation. Mm. Now, the changing religion part, I wish we could have gotten a little more on that. Fair. What if that was something that they had as a bond? Right. Yeah. And now they don't have it anymore because he changed to her religion, maybe? That's what I'm assuming. Because I'm assuming... Well, I mean, her family, her aunt is a fucking nun. Yeah. True. And if she's a devout Catholic... And she did call a priest to bless the house the first thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Although, that is a low blow. It's mean? It is. <laughs> right? I don't know how else to say it. That was a lot. He's like, and now you're Catholic. It's Marrying like, this dame. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the fuck? What year is it? Three rug rats running around. It's like, what the fuck, man? Jeff, please. You know, Kennedy was president, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten past that hurdle. He's like, and she's Irish or it's whatever. Like, it's like, good it's like Jesus Christ. Sir. Jeff, I thought you were cool. <laughs> I mean, you don't have a motorcycle, but. but as cool <laughs> as one can cool, be. Right? Yeah, yeah, without a motorcycle. But George stands up and punches Jeff off of his bar stool. Jeff accepts it and is like, can we talk now? I thought he was going to be like, my lawyer like yeah. that. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> well, he knew that he overstepped. He did. He, yeah. he did. Uh, that was too much. He earned that punch. But George helps him up and apologizes. Him apologizing, I'm like, okay, maybe. There's some of you yeah. left. Maybe George is in there somewhere. But back at the house, Amy is singing that Jesus Loves Me song. It could mm-hmm. just be called Jesus Loves Me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But Kathy peeks in at her from the hallway, smiling. Just before she goes into Amy's room, we see that she's sitting on a rocking chair across from the one in the corner. She's rocking in hers, but the empty one is rocking too. Mm-hmm. Very creepy. A uh, very cool visual. Yes. yes. But Kathy comes in and the chair's like, and I oop, and just stops. Uh, yeah, Jody's <laughs> like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> just bails. Cheese it. Yeah. But Amy tells her that she scared Jody. Kathy's like, there's no one in the chair. But Amy says she was scared and went out the window. Kathy goes over to the window and jumps back when she sees two eye-like dots in the darkness outside staring back at her. This is where we get the free, free, free yeah. psycho yeah, yeah. score. The stolen psycho yes. score. <laughs> um, I read that Stuart Rosenberg was mad at Margot Kidder because her reaction wasn't big enough here. She didn't yeah. look scared enough. But she said that he'd kept... <laughs> Like, I mean, we can let the cat out of the bag if we want now, but he kept holding up a pig in yeah. the window and she was supposed to be scared of it. And she kept laughing. Well, oh. I mean, <laughs> how the fuck are you not supposed to? Uh. <laughs> I, when I saw this, I was like, oh, so Jody's the moth man. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, cool, dude. She's like, chapstick. <laughs> Wake up. Number 37. Oh my God. Ah! What a specific nightmare. <laughs> we got to cover the Mothman man. We, we keep talking about it. But yeah, I did think that that was an odd thing. We'll talk more about that later, though. Yes, we will. So Jody's real, though. Oh, clearly. For sure. That's the only thing that's real. (laughs) (laughs) 
But back at the bar, although he still doesn't look well, George is lucid enough to tell Jeff what's going on at the house. Carolyn has joined them and searches through George's stolen library book. (laughs) He tells them about the flies, the doors, and mentions Greg's hand incident that Jeff was present for. He says that last night the door was ripped off the hinges from the inside. Sure, Jan. (laughs) (laughs) Carolyn stops on a picture of a house in a book that reads The Ketchum House. She speaks up that it's all right here. It's history. John Ketchum. He was run out of Salem for being a witch. His house was built exactly where George's house stands now. She says he's living on some sort of special ground of devil worship, death, and sacrifice. She tells him that it's one simple rule. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change forms. Jeff's like, you sound like a psycho weirdo. It's like, dude, isn't this your Uh, wife? She's never said anything like this before. But she tells him not to be such a hardcore rationalist. Not everything in life can be explained. T. Look. (laughs) Most things can be explained. I will say that's a great line about energy, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jeff- again, I'm like Fox Mulder. I want to believe. I don't know why. <laughs> I have this bad reputation like Joan Jett. Everything is Not like Joan something. Jett. Jeff just yells at her to shut up. And George is just watching them like a tennis match back and uh, forth. I do find it odd that someone was run out of Salem instead of killed for being a witch. True. Yeah. Maybe, well, he was a man. Well, some men died. Yeah. You ever you ever read the crucible? <laughs> <laughs> cover to cover. Yeah. I thought it was a little rude the way he told her to shut up. It was incredibly yeah. rude. You could have just said you're scaring my boss. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get me fired. Yeah. <laughs> but Jeff offers a rational explanation. Go home, get cleaned up, and take Kathy out to dinner. <laughs> Leave the kids in the demon house. It's yeah. Fine. <laughs> Because it was fine last night when we left yeah. the babysitter. and He volunteers himself and Carolyn to watch their kids. He says he needs to get away, even if it's only for a couple hours. When he gets back, they'll talk through everything. George agrees, saying, let's go home. At the house, Jeff and Carolyn pull up next to George on his bike. He tells them to follow him inside in a couple minutes after he's had a chance to talk to Kathy. I don't think that he can explain to her what he's learned in a couple minutes. Yeah. He's like, just hang tight. Count, <laughs> count to 30 and then yeah. follow me in there. <laughs> Carolyn starts to walk toward the house, but Jeff stops her, saying that George told them to wait outside and he thought this place gave her the creeps anyway. She remarks that she wants to see it for herself and that the vibes here are strong. It pulls you. It's got big steam. Yeah, b- <laughs> huge steam. She says she needs to see the basement, and since she's sensitive and knowledgeable about these things, she knows that that's where it's coming from. Inside, Kathy defensively is like, it wasn't a cat. (laughs) (laughs) He says he doesn't have all the answers, but they need to get some perspective. He asks her to take Jeff's offer so they can get the hell out of here for a couple hours. I would feel weird about leaving my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're fine. Yeah. We'll be- yeah. I, I do want to point out, though, I am glad that Kathy saw something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because if it kept going on more and more that we don't know what Jody is, we don't know all this stuff. Yeah. It's just going to get tedious and ridiculous because your husband is turning into a ghoul before yeah. your very yeah. eyes. <laughs> he really is. And you're like, man, he's got the flu. Yeah. yeah. He's had the flu for two months it's now. Since we moved in. <laughs> yeah. But he says they'll get dressed and go but he's got to check the fire first. <laughs> so you're talking a lot about that yeah. fire. It's been his only... Yeah. Carolyn and Jeff let themselves into the basement. Carolyn whispers that demons are smart. They think, just like humans do, but in reverse. She says it's a closed <laughs> system, and Jeff's like, you're giving me the creeps. Yeah. Well, then that would make them smarter than us if they can think backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I barely think forwards. Man. <laughs> <laughs> she's super hyped to find that humming. Like, she's she like, is. what is that? What is that? Yeah. Well, wouldn't you be? 
Well, I'd be scared. (laughs) (laughs) She talks about a tribe of Native Americans called the Shinnecocks that use this land as an exposure pen. They put all the quote unquote crazy people here and left them to die. Harry is still scratching at that same spot on the floor. Jeff moves him out of the way, but Carolyn seems to feel faint and tells him that that's where it is. There are people buried there. Now, I do want to point out before we go further, and I'm hopefully not getting annoying with this stuff, but I did read in the New Republic that the tribe in question Mm -hmm. was nowhere near Amityville at the time Uh, that they're claiming. Well. And they also would not treat people the way that they claim they did. I know. That is fucking awful. That's really, really, really So why would they name check them specifically? I think that someone writing a book very hastily to make some money didn't do the research necessary. Uh, And uh, here we are. Yikes. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. Take a lot. Take, Take a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but back upstairs, George comes in with firewood. In the basement, Jeff cleans Harry's paws, and we see that he's scratched them bloody. Yeah. Very sad. In the bathroom, Kathy stares at a music box as she gets ready. In the basement, I feel like we're just going back and forth. Yeah. Carolyn grabs a tool and just starts breaking a wall. Jeff tries to stop her, but she tells him it has to be done because that's where the room is. George comes in and is like, what the hell are you doing to my house? (laughs) Carolyn explains and George goes over to the wall. He says, she's right. There is something there. He just waves his hand over it. He's like, I feel it. He goes with it. He's He's like, like, I've got the shine now. (laughs) (laughs) He takes the tool from her and starts breaking the wall. We can immediately see a red light coming from behind it. Kathy comes downstairs and asks what's happening. But George breaks a hole in the wall and she stops. George stops breaking the wall and stares into the hole in shock. He sees a reflection of his face (laughs) in the red brick of a staircase behind the wall, but it disappears. I read something very interesting. That's his brother. Uh, Because he wanted the director wanted it to look like him, but not not, exactly be him. That's smart. And he found out that, you know, something about those Brolins. They all look fucking the same. So they put a fake beard on James Brolin's brother. And that's (laughs) it. I did want to say because I knew it looked very much like James Brolin. Yes. But the fake beard threw me. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, he clearly has a real beard. Yeah. I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> it so was that a makes, reshoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was the next year. But yeah. That makes perfect sense. I do want to say I love this red room. Yeah. Uh-huh. I and love it's scary the, as fuck. the concept of it. Again, it could have been fleshed out a little better if he had looked at the blueprints or something yeah yeah the blueprints that he went and got yeah, yeah. because that's the whole thing about this they could have even done that right. in the bar yeah to say you know once they find it that's not anywhere yeah. on the you know because that's scary yeah no yeah carolyn remarks that they come and go through here she begins to shake and her mouth opens wide in terror before she speaks in a hoarse voice that isn't her own find the well it's the passage to hell she screams cover it (laughs) and then she covers her ears i read that a lot of people think that she was possessed in this moment right (laughs) but she interprets it that as a clairvoyant she was just overcome right right but it really reads as possession but here's the thing though is that she's saying this stuff first of all it's very evil dead right right. yeah i I know that is well it was filmed in 79 evil dead Yeah. yeah but it didn't come out yet but I remember intercut shots of Father Delaney, like war- yeah. he's like warging out. Well, <laughs> so I assume that this is supposed yeah. to be him. I don't know how he's channeling his I, own. That's what right. I'm like. Is this Father Delaney's voice? That's what I thought because later, what Kathy asks George, 
Okay. So I'm like, I think this has to be. It is. Right, it's, right, right. it's just a little confusing. Fair. But she does cover her ears and we see Father Delaney in the same position in his room, covering his ears and covered in sweat. His phone rings and he answers it. And as soon as he whispers, hello, there's a dial tone. <laughs> the house is like, I fucking yeah, I'm dude. sick of it. He's like, you found Father. another way in. We don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> that means no coming over, no yes. calling and no fucking possessing either. Father, if you wore it out. I swear to God. <laughs> Back in the basement, smoke starts to come from that hole in the wall. Harry goes over and sniffs it, but then he's like, nope, and takes the fuck <laughs> off. He growls at it from the staircase. I laughed at Harry because he's been trying to get in there the whole film. Uh, he's like, he's I like, knew it. You know what? Maybe well, I don't want yeah, in there. No. Never mind. Upstairs, Kathy tells George that she knows he heard the voice and asks who it is. That's where I was like, she knows that it was yeah. Father Delaney. But George, again, does not look well. He does not answer. She pleads to him that they need to do something. Across the street, we see the sergeant still just sitting in his car, watching yeah. the house <laughs> and drinking coffee. I just don't get this. This angle? Yeah. I don't. I don't either. Back inside, we see that the crucifix on the wall has turned itself upside down. So we're talking about the conjuring. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, another thing that I did think of in that moment is that it kind of makes me laugh that in these situations, the demon sees the regular crucifix and he's like, oh, no, uh -uh, we're, uh, we're yeah. not doing this shit. And then he turns. He's like, "Ooh, that's a lot better for me. <laughs> honestly, George takes it off the wall and cleans it off with his filthy shirt from the car. The sergeant sees their shadows moving around in the living room. Inside, they're walking around from room to room with the crucifix and praying, trying to bless the house on their own. When they pass under the chandelier, it starts shaking and jingling. They go up to the flies room. The flies room? At this point, the room belongs to the flies. I just love that it's... <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly, George drops the crucifix. When Kathy goes to pick it up, there are huge blisters on the back of her hand. She screams and runs into her bedroom. And when she inspects her face in the mirror, they're on her face, too. And she breaks down sobbing in the mirror. Well, that mirror was her sexy safe space. And now it was, and it's ruined. Yeah, the whole house is ruined. I will say that George Lutz said that one night when Kathy was asleep, he watched her age into a 90 year old woman. OK, that that comes up later. Yeah. And well, it's the fucking weirdest I thing. <laughs> Because it's never explained. <laughs> I have no explanation for this in the film. No. Well, right now we just got some blisters. Yeah. Well, I, I think which were weird because she wasn't rubbing her face on the crucifix. No, and no. she didn't pick it up with the back of her hand no. either. <laughs> so I think at this point it's safe to say we are not qualified to handle this. <laughs> no, so. not yes. at all. And the priest won't come over. So what? Yeah. what it's time to just leave. And can I just say honestly the plot line of the priests and the plot line of the Lutzes never really marry. No, no. they don't. It's a very odd, like it's yeah. almost like two movies. I just don't, I don't understand the blisters. Um, the house is like, keep fucking playing yeah. with me. And no, see what happens they're like, you. look, we've mastered the makeup technique for the blisters. I know we already used it for Father <laughs> Delaney. What? I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it again. Exactly. Yeah. This is independent film. We know what we're doing with the blisters, <laughs> but we get a card that says 17th day, Wednesday, at the church, Father Boland tells Father Delaney that ever since he's come back from Vietnam, Father Delaney has played a huge role in his life. <laughs> Dude, Father Delaney yeah. loses his Father shit. Father Delaney's like, what's your <laughs> fucking point? Yeah, he doesn't say fucking yeah, no, he's he's like, <laughs> He has no patience. The thing is, is that what he says is so positive. Ever since I've come back from Vietnam, <laughs> you've been a an important influence in my life. Yeah. And he goes, and what's your point? Yeah, fuck off. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> 
But he says that he understands fear from having experienced it himself and that we all create our own demons in our minds. Father Delaney looks at him tearfully and Father Bolin apologizes. They go to the front of the church and begin to pray. But just as he prays for health and mind and body for his family and friends, an angel statue on the ceiling starts to crumble. Father Delaney starts to get louder and more aggressive, <laughs> yelling directly at the crumbling statue. And Father Bolin just looks at him concerned. Yeah. One of the pieces falls down toward Father Delaney and he shields his face and starts to scream. Father Bolin goes over to comfort him and Father Delaney with wide eyes says that he can't see. He's blind. I just, I just want Why to point out again, flu-like symptoms. Yeah. And now the movie's like, blind him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? And again, uh, you're in a church. Yeah. What's this demon's yeah, power? shouldn't you be safe? One would think. But we look up at that crumbling statue and it is completely normal and unbroken. I liked that. Yeah. I liked that a lot because Father Bolin was just like, what the fuck? Man? Yeah. He's yeah. looking at him. He's watching of, as nothing's happening yeah. except homeboy freaking out. And he's like, well, and mind and body. <laughs> like he's fucking going well, that off. The house warned him enough. It did. Like <laughs> you how many times yeah. <laughs> you've been told to know yeah. your place. <laughs> but we get a card that reads 18th night Thursday. The sun is setting and that eerie red light is shining through the attic windows again. Inside, we see the clock turn from 314 to 315. George wakes up in a chair in his bedroom and leaves the room. Kathy's still asleep in the bed. He goes downstairs hearing a drum beat. See, now we're going with yeah. the tribal thing just because that lady said so. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's offensive, right? It is. <laughs> okay. But when he goes into the living room, the drumming stops. Again, George does not look well. No. He trips over the dragon statue and it looked really funny because he shouldn't have. But he looks around, finally flat out asking, what do you want from us? He yells that this is his house. And I think we touched this with, with Mika and Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Your dick is not bigger than the demons. Doesn't matter if you think you own this house. Get the fuck yeah. out. Every demon's hanging dong. Everyone knows that. Every yeah. single one. <laughs> but he picks up a rolled rug and starts laying it out on the floor. Again, to me, it looked hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was the way his legs were. Yeah. It was like monkey. He was like, like spider walking towards the camera. <laughs> like they couldn't have. Did they block this? <laughs> but in the bedroom, Kathy wakes up as thunder cracks. She goes into Amy's room. We see that the rocking chair is rocking as soon as Kathy opens the door. And she immediately screams, no. We see that Amy is bloody and dead in her bed. And George is standing over her with his axe. He comes for Kathy, splitting the top of her head open with the axe, and Kathy suddenly wakes up in her bed. Great fucking nightmare. It's a oh, lot. yeah. No, it is it's a good. lot. It and it's cool. abrupt. Yeah. yeah. It's very jarring. Yeah. Very surprising. You First of all, again, this is the 1970s. You don't see a lot of dead kids in movies. No. So, honestly, even in 2021, I was surprised to You're see like, that. Holy yeah. shit. Like, fuck, yeah. really going for it. And then when he connects with the axe. Oh, yeah. And the blood spray. Yeah, you see it yeah. spray. It's like that t big tomato on Skinner's yeah. ass. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot, dude. I was just, I was honestly very impressed by this. Yeah, for sure. But it was all a dream, and George is back in bed next to her. You've talked about, like, being mad at JP for something you've dreamt. How the fuck can she? Oh, yeah. yeah. Could you no. imagine the next it'd, day? It'd be a rough day. Yeah. You but killed our kid. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't do it. <laughs> we get a card that reads 19th day, Friday. 
George is asleep in front of the fireplace and he wakes up screaming, I'm coming apart! Mother of God, I'm coming apart! I want to say that James Brolin, in an interview, he said, I might have gone a little too far in that. <laughs> That's a lie, He's like, put a little too much mustard on that one. But I, I look, it's such a great line. It is. It, uh, it works for me. It works great. But then Kathy comes running downstairs and George is like, I'm dreaming. Sorry if I woke you up. Like, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Why is everyone so violently waking up in this house? Her thing about the he shot her in the yeah. head. Uh, She's like, oh my yeah, goodness, my bad. Oh, I'm sorry. It kind of reminded me of in 1408 when he's sitting in the chair and he's freaking out. Yes, and then Evil Daddy does it in Evil Dead too. Yeah, yes. I never put that together, yeah. but that you're is so, so true. right. See, this influenced. You know it did. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. But his eyes are red and he has tears just streaming down his face. Yeah. Again, he does not look well. No. She asks what happened to his foot and shows him what looks like teeth marks on his foot and ankle. He says he just tripped and to quit nagging him. So are we to believe that that dragon bit him? Oh, I, I guess, guess so. Maybe that's why he fell. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm very confused. So maybe it wasn't buying the dragon. The demon <laughs> hired the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, take care of my light work. Uh, I'll handle the dreams. Uh, 1500 right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get his ankle. Oh, those are biting prices. <laughs> <laughs> he complains that it's always so cold in here and goes to put more logs on the fire. Kathy proposes that they just pack their shit and go. When George doesn't answer her, she screams for him to leave the fire alone and answer her. George stands up and with crazy eyes yells at her that they're not going anywhere. She's the one that wanted the house, so just shut up. She tearfully calls him a bastard and he slaps her fucking hard across yeah. the face. It's tough. Her nose is bloody. Yeah. He, I mean, it, it, to me was very shocking. I was yeah. not expecting that. Yeah. Even it, when he's like, shut up. Like I still wasn't expecting him to hit her. It's like several shocking scenes. Out yes. one yeah. After another. It's a lot. Yeah. But she sobs and he just goes back to tending the fire and yeah. she leaves the room. Yeah. But he looks like. Like he doesn't know what's going on. He's just putting fire. Yeah, he's putting firewood, and he's like sitting there all weird. Yeah, like, dude, are you okay? No, yeah. no. <laughs> no, he's not okay. But we cut to the church, and Kathy passes a nun playing some hoops with some kids. Like, yeah, like she's whooping on their asses yeah, in some street hoops. <laughs> Which, uh, see, I thought I was like, is that the sister? Or yeah, that's on Helena. Was it? She's was like, it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I used to whoop my niece's ass yeah. in the fucking. <laughs> she's like, gotcha, bitch. Yeah. She jukes out of the way, <laughs> fucking crosses him. <laughs> Get her on Game the court, she's trouble. Habits. <laughs> <laughs> but Kathy tries to talk to a man working on a vehicle. He slides out, and we see that it's Father Bolin. Kathy tells him that she's been looking for Father Delaney, but Bolin says that Delaney left on vacation since he's been overworked. Now, this is when Margot Kidder's teeth. Yeah, her lips yeah. are like, I don't want to act anymore. Yeah. <laughs> 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 she's like but he's our family friend <laughs> <laughs> you make her look like fire uh, marshal no. bill <laughs> <laughs> that's the vibe man oh that's my it. god but she does she's like he's more than a priest he's a family friend she breaks down in tears telling him that she needs to talk to him now but father boland's like look this is out of my hands so is this him being like uh boxing dude from exorcist yes right, right. yeah yes it's, yeah pretty much okay. yes there's him and then we've got sorry about the name i forgot his name no father Karras. Right? yeah yeah, yeah. But then we've got the sergeant sitting on the bench at the basketball court watching kathy so yeah. he's the detective right. from the uh -huh. exorcist yeah i did want to say 
it seemed like a interesting connection to the true crime case. I don't know if it's just me connecting dots, uh-huh. but him working on his own car with DeFeo being a mechanic, huh. maybe he used to be his mechanic and now he's like, now I got to do this shit. That's All right. that's good. I like that. I thought that would be yeah. interesting because it was odd to see him working on his own yeah. car. Yeah. It really felt like there was no reason yeah. for that to be happening. <laughs> but Father Bowling goes back inside the church. Later, the sergeant watches Bolin, now wearing a hat, sunglasses, and a coat, exit the church and get in his car, and the sergeant follows him. Kinnaman, Detective Kinnaman. Thank you. I was like, I'm going to... And I loved him in The Exorcist. But he goes to the park to meet Father Delaney, who is sitting on a bench in a cloak, still blind, alone. Yeah. Kinderman. Kinderman. Kinnaman is Joel Kinnaman. That's a person. Kinderman. Kinderman. (laughs) But Father Bolin offers to read the mail he brought for him, but Father Delaney doesn't answer him. There's a lot of ignoring going on in this film. They sit in awkwardness, Father Bolin attempting to make conversation and Father Delaney refusing to acknowledge him. Father Bolin just gets up and leaves, but on his way back to his car, he bumps into the sergeant who identifies himself and asks to have a word with him. He flat out asks what's happening with Father Delaney. He says he's an old friend and he can't get the story right of what's going on. What? He's an old friend? He's an old friend because they were friends on The Exorcist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? I'm like, what? Well, but it also mirrors the end of The Exorcist where it the, does. they meet at the stairs. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, you know? I don't know, man. I mean, and another thing for me, why is Father Bolin lying about Father I Delaney? Don't under- I don't yeah. know. He's I, like, I, maybe I he's trying to protect that. Father Delaney. I don't, I don't, under- I, don't I don't really understand this part. He's like, oh, he's in Port Aransas. And then we yeah, go see him. Right there. <laughs> no, no, he's not. No, he's not. I'm just so confused. Maybe he didn't. He he doesn't want her to know that he went blind. Maybe, or if he's yeah. if he really thinks he's having some kind of psychotic break, he doesn't. He he's trying to protect him. I I don't know. But I wish all of this was more fleshed out. But the thing is, again, it goes back to he was still a priest. He's been there for some time. You yes. guys immediately wrote him off as yes. crazy. And you said that he's been a source of comfort yes. for you since coming back from the war. But you don't believe what he's but, telling oh, you. But, oh, you crazy nope. old yeah. man. Like, yeah. I don't, it's, none of this really, I feel like is fully fleshed out. And the fact that I don't really recall much more of this plot line. No. Yeah. It's a very unsatisfying conclusion. Very yeah. much so. But anyway, the sergeant's like, he's our family friend. <laughs> 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 Father Bolin tells him that there is no story and the sergeant muses that he may just be chasing shadows then. Father Bolin leaves for his car and the sergeant looks over at Father Delaney who still sits alone. And you know, it's not a possession film, horror film, haunted house film mm. without a research sequence. Yeah. <laughs> so we go to the library and a man sets up Kathy on a microfiche. Which we love. We love a microfiche. Love to see it. With the newspapers of the day after the murders. Now, (laughs) she scrolls through them before stopping on a picture of a handcuffed man in a cop car. And it is literally fucking George. Like, I was laughing. They could have just used his brother again. Yeah, I was confused because it's James Brolin. Yeah, (laughs) you can tell it's him. Yeah. Yeah. And she obviously reacts violently. Well, yeah. Now we know the bartender dropped the beer. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, they let you out. (laughs) (laughs) But back at the house, George is sharpening his axe. And again, he does not look well. Amy is drawing and writing Jody's name on a canvas. Harry is in the basement looking concerned. We all should have listened to Harry at the beginning. I oh, mean, yeah. sh- whatever. I do respect him for trying again to get closer. Yeah. It's like, you can do this, Harry. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and I did meant to, I meant to say that she's getting her lowest lane on in the. She was. Yeah, she was. But we see Kathy in the car racing back home. 
At the house, George starts digging a hole in the yard. Harry watches as the floor starts shaking in the basement. Kathy continues to drive home as George starts nailing the window shut. None of this is good. No, no. get out of that basement, dog. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Harry barks at the moving floorboards in the basement, and we zoom in on the Virgin Mary, again, I think, on Kathy's dashboard as she drives home. We get a card that reads, The Last Night. It's not a good thing. It's not. And you're right, dude. That is literally the last we see of Father Bolin, Father yeah. Delaney, Sergeant John Frito. Like that's Isn't that weird? That is incredibly unsatisfying. Yeah. And when you think about it, I mean, how much time was devoted to them? That is shockingly. And so like I'm yeah. I, I'm yeah. processing it in real time. <laughs> that's appalling, actually. The film feels long and then you right. have all that stuff. Maybe cut a little bit. Help with the pacing yeah. if you're not going to do anything with it. So what what becomes of Father Delaney? Does he get his oh. sight back? He's, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, know. What the fuck? I don't know. And why did you... I mean, Father Bolin isn't fully fleshed out, but you fleshed him out a little and then just hung him out to dry. Yeah. The satisfying conclusion would be everything he's learned from Father Delaney, he saves the Lutzes. Yes. But if you're sticking with the quote, true story, unquote, yeah. you can't. You can't do that. Then why'd you add all these extra characters in here? Run What's time. the detective yeah. even doing? He's Detective Kinderman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kinderman did more. He was putting shit together. He, yeah. This detective is just like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, that's his like, whole character. I was a friend of his. I hadn't talked about it before. Never. But I was. Yeah. Well, I've never made this clear, but we're, we go way back. Anyway, let's set the tone. It's the last night. The last night. It is pouring rain and storming again. George goes into the boathouse as Kathy pulls into the driveway. How long has she been driving home? Where's this library? <laughs> <laughs> she went to the one two towns over. Yeah. <laughs> but she runs toward the house, immediately falling in the yard and then running inside, screaming at the top of her lungs for George and the kids. She smeared mud on the door on her way in. I was like, damn, they really had her fall. Yeah. Yeah. No, she, she ate it. Yeah. In the boathouse, George checks the ropes, tying his boat to the dock before going back out into the rain. From inside, Kathy sees him walking toward the house, holding an axe. From outside, George looks up in the window and sees a giant red-eyed pig staring back at him. <laughs> okay, so this is where we have some trouble. <laughs> this, according to the reports, mm -hmm. Jody was a pig. Correct. That Amy befriended. It's like a demon pig. Okay. As one like does. Like Black Phillip. There you go. All right. Yeah, but... Goats are inherently scary. Pigs are just cute. But and tasty. Pigs, and delicious. Pigs are what? <laughs> Gluttony or sloth or some I shit? Or they got a whole sin attached. Yeah. <laughs> Goats are like, I'm just trying to eat a can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just thought it was, I mean, this is when they're starting to throw in a lot of stuff that they haven't really explained. That, right. And it, that's literally what it feels like. We didn't talk about the pig. Yeah. We got to show the pig. Throw the pig in and there. And it looked like they just put a pig in front of a blue screen and just had it him does. walk around a little. It does. Because <laughs> <laughs> walk around. A little. Well, he's floating in the window so oddly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I I'm not a I'm not a big fan of the pig. I I no <laughs> me neither. But he goes inside and immediately heads upstairs, calling out for Amy. As he heads up to the attic room, the walls and stairs start bleeding. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it odd that he's calling out for Amy? I think he's going to kill Amy. Okay. So he's going to yeah. he's going to fulfill that nightmare. I think right. so. So he I mean again we were talking about pulling from the exorcist. Yeah. Uh -huh. This is the shining. Yeah. Take a shot. Uh, right. But the shining came out later. Right. But But the book came out before. That's what I'm talking about. So and I, I say that in two seconds. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he continues to yell for Amy until he hears her crying. She's hiding with her brothers in the attic bathroom. 
George starts to pull a Jack Torrance and hacks up the door. But Kathy jumps on him from behind. She wrestles him and he knocks her over. On the ground, her face is disfigured and wrinkled. So he's like, George is like, you haven't made her an old lady. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The movie's over in five minutes, That's, but I'll put it in there. I, I hadn't done my research yet when I watched it. And you're like, what so I was the like, fuck? Why the fuck does she look so old? Right. And then I look it up and see that that was part of the reported phenomena. George, but, George claimed that she aged to a 90-year-old woman before his eyes. And then the next day she was levitating on the bed. I think that... I read some reports that said that her mother also saw her do it. Well, that's okay. So <laughs> I saw, I say saw her do it. Like she's like, what this mom she's seen and just ages. <laughs> she, uh, she did fucking Chris angel. Yeah. Mind, Mind freak. freak. <laughs> Shout out to Anthony Jerome. Are you ready? But, <laughs> but, um, that's the story is she aged to a 90 year old woman. And then the next night she started levitating off the bed and he had to catch her before she left the bed. Cause he was afraid she was going to hit the floor. Right. And then they claim because spoiler alert, nobody else that ever owned the house after them right. had any kind of paranormal activity going on. And so the Lutzes claimed that the evil left with them. And their evidence of this is that they fled to Kathy's mother's house and she <laughs> watched them levitate. <laughs> All right. She just watched them so, <laughs> again. Know, Watch yeah, this, yeah. but Mom. they did pass the lie detector test, and the levitation was part of the test. And their son was Chris Angel. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that got his hand smashed. He's Chris Lutz. There you go. I will say though that lie detector tests are not admissible in court, and there is a reason for that. Absolutely. Right. See, I thought that, and I guess that makes sense why they did it like that. But I thought maybe he was just seeing her as the mom from the from what had happened. That would make mm. more sense. You know what I mean? Like what? she yeah. looked like the mom that died. Yeah, so and it's so like if he's since, stepping into the role of right. Ronnie, yeah, that would make more sense. But that's not what's happening. Okay, then I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just showing that unexplained is just such a what the fuck moment. It yeah. is. But George brings the axe down, but misses Kathy. Kathy sobs, begging him not to hurt her babies, and he looks confused. Like he's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. He. T- <laughs> I like how that's how he described looking confused. <laughs> what the fuck? He's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> well, I mean, he's he well, probably he, thought she was an intruder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he holds her, and she tells him that she saw his picture in the newspaper. He hugs her tighter and tells her that he wouldn't hurt her, but he did just swing an axe at her. But that did happen, right? The house continues to bleed, the blood running down the stairs. In the basement, the floor just explodes open. Lightning strikes and those iconic windows just fucking explode. (laughs) They grab the kids and run down the bleeding stairs. Matt, of course, busts his ass and falls down the stairs. He did manage not to break a light bulb. (laughs) (laughs) Smack it on the way down. I do want to say that the the tree with the window a few years later, poltergeist. Yeah. All right. But they managed to get to the front door as something growls at them from Amy's room. So were they just like, I'm fucking done. Y'all aren't getting the subtle hints. Let's just yeah. fucking we're bleeding. We're exploding <laughs> windows. Like what was what? What's Who's happening? Cleaning that blood up. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm not. But I'll here's tell you that much. But the other <laughs> thing, though, I understand wanting the priest out of the house. Right. Why are you trying to push the Lutzes out of the house? They haven't even done the murder yet that you want them to do. No, yeah. I guess they're like, he's not biting, man. Just yeah, get the fuck get out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll try the next family. <laughs> But we won't, though. No, we'll get we'll get tired. We'll sleep like Pennywise for 27 years or whatever. But George wrestles the door open. And again, one of the boys busts his ass and falls down the porch yep. steps. They all get in the car and George realizes that he doesn't have the keys. 
Kathy finds them, but Amy starts to cry that she wants Harry. George hesitates for a moment, but Kathy begs George to just drive. So he does. They speed down the road, but abruptly stop. Kathy screams at him, George, no. But George gets out of the van and runs back to the house. He calls out for Harry, but there's no sign of him. In his defense, Harry seemed a good boy. Yeah, he was a good boy. I wouldn't leave well, that dog no. to die there. Yeah, you can't. But I would I would have realized that before I got to the car. That's true. Oh, shit, the dog's not here. Where's, I would be like, where's Luna? But you're yeah. trying to get all the kids. Yeah, but Harry's and, one of the kids. Yeah. Yeah, that, but in the confusion, you're trying to hurry. I guess, but I do give him points for going back. Uh, look. I will box whatever demon I have to to get <laughs> Luna out of the yes. house. Yes. I'm not leaving her here. No. That's no. on cat Jesus and everything. There's no. You're not, not going to. You can't have my cat. You no. can't, can't say that unless you mean it. Oh, I. Mean oh, you got to mean it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's me saying that for a dog. I'm a cat person. Yeah. So that yeah. just shows how yeah. good this just dog was. You, you don't, don't, you don't leave do the that. pet behind. Don't do it. But he finally goes down in the basement and we see that it is filled with smoke. He takes a few steps down, but falls through the floor and into that black sludge. Directly into it. Oh, yeah. Back in the van, they all sit staring down the road, waiting for George to come back. In the basement, completely black with the sludge, George crawls out of the hole. He's like, now I'll pull my arms out with with my my face. (laughs) (laughs) Harry barks at him and starts to attack, biting his arm. But George is like, it's me, baby. (laughs) When Harry sees that it's him, he helps him out of the hole. He like grabs his arm and is helping pull yeah. him out see that shows like, that's why yeah. i fucking came back for exactly. your ass exactly the dogs are right or die but he praises that harry. dogs are rough or die <laughs> <laughs> he praises harry and picks him up carrying him upstairs they go straight to the front door but it closes in george's face harry stands behind him whimpering outside we see the windows of the living room break outwards and george lift harry through it he runs through the yard carrying the dog Finally, from the van, they see him coming. He hops inside and they take the fuck off. Thunder continues to boom and the house still stands tall, lights still on in the iconic windows. We get a card that says George and Kathleen Lutz and their family never reclaim their house or their personal belongings. Today, they live in another state. And that's the movie, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that's that's the end. Why do I remember them escaping by boat? I because maybe that's the remake. I think that happens in the in the Ryan Ryan Reynolds right when he's we got his tits out <laughs> <laughs> well but, I keep saying that and you keep getting mad at me for well, saying because it. it's like tits out man yeah. well we I mean everybody that's what you remember is Ryan Reynolds I, shirtless I did not but thank <laughs> you yes for, you did <laughs> not until y'all brought it up but that's dude's all, running around in his underwear in this movie so he is. yeah it he is he is I mean it's fine it does end abruptly is what we're yeah. trying it to say it ends incredibly yeah. abruptly but I have to ask what did you guys think of the Amityville horror um real quick see how easy that was to break the window out get your pet and get the fuck out uh-huh all the oh no the window won't break i don't know how to get out <laughs> <laughs> the wind throw something out the window dude. yes yeah get the fuck it, out of the possessed kind of, house it honestly is a little funny because out. they slam the door in his face like uh-uh-uh he's like there's a fucking yeah, window right, right there right there, man. right there dude <laughs> i mean so i do enjoy that yeah, yeah. It, that's no, point, exactly what you're gonna sure. do yeah oh the door fuck your door dude yeah i'm out um i do enjoy this movie watching it now and then hearing you know what i mean like you said in real time there is a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense or it's whatever but if you're saying this is the account that they gave Mm -hmm. then i mean bravo you followed it to what they told you yeah i do want to touch on that very quickly um because we didn't really get to dig into the 
the actual case of what happened. I, I know that's what you want. I, you, <laughs> know, you know me. Oh, yeah. Just a quick rundown. Um, you know, we know we saw in the film he murdered his family. Right. When he was arrested for the trial, he claimed insanity mm-hmm. and basically said that there were voices in the house that told him to do it. Mm-hmm. So later on, he said that his sister Dawn did it and then he killed Dawn for doing it. Which does not explain the crime scene. Not at right. all. Then he said that he and Don, because his father, if you dig into the story of the DeFeos, his father was incredibly abusive. Right, right, right. And I guess he and Don, in this in this version anyway. This version of the story? This version of the story. He and Don were done. Mm-hmm. And they were going to kill, um, I don't know if it was supposed to be just their father or both of their parents, but... The deal was that that's what was going to happen. And it was him and Don and a friend. Right. So that's what was supposed to happen. I guess the parents were supposed to be taken out. His story this time <laughs> was that he and Don killed their parents and this third friend right. killed their parents. And then Don went and killed the siblings. And that was not part of the deal. So yeah, he yeah, murdered yeah. Don. Again, it's ever evolving. <laughs> but when it gets to the root of it, he says, and I quote, no demons, no ghosts. That there was nothing supernatural. This was him and his sister or just him. But there was nothing supernatural involved. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say that his attorney, Weber, while he was on trial, cooked this up with the Lutzes before they even purchased the house. Well, the thing is, is that they had a ton of lawsuits after the book was released. Mm -hmm. Uh And so you have Weber and the Lutzes suing each other as as well as Anson in on it. Yes. What the fuck? So there was no, no, nothing about the lawyer and the Lutzes. No. They wouldn't be suing each other. And the thing is about that lawsuit, though, is that he said in, was it a sworn affidavit? Yes. That they cooked up this story over a bottle of wine in an evening. Yeah. And that's, you can't fucking lie on those things. I mean, you I can't, mean, you can't, but, but yeah, I just, uh, they he's know. like, no, it a fucking old yeah. woman. Or yeah. Like, what are you guys thinking? The wine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shit. And but, then we were like floating and shit. But the thing is, is that it's so weird that you would believe it. Why would you come up with a pig demon? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. That seems so weird that it's, you're like, well, that must have happened. Yeah. Yeah, so I yeah. just wanted to point that out because I know that Ronnie DeFeo Jr. is not a fucking reliable right source source whatsoever but it does seem like there's a little bit of meat to that right one thing that he did also do is blame the mafia he did that his family had ties to the mafia and that this was all a mafia style hit and the thing is is that his i think it's either his uncle or his great uncle Mm -hmm. it was a capo in the genovese crime family yeah so you're like well and then you wonder about the drugging of the members of the family to where they didn't wake up and then toxicology reports come back, say there were no drugs in their system. So that lends credence to more than one killer. Yes, it does. I don't know, man. I mean, there's a lot of question marks. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my whole life I was just like, nah, man, the fucking demons told me to do it. (laughs) But now, you know, looking at it a little more clinically and looking at it from a true crime perspective, I mean, fucking David Berkowitz was like, the dog told me to. And then later he was like, I made all that shit up. There was no dog. (laughs) (laughs) That dog was a very good boy. He he did not. He was not part of any of that shit. He told me not to kill them. Right. but um you know people do that yeah people do that and so it's definitely enough to make me not as certain and we'll never know 
We'll right. never know. Everyone Ronnie involved. DeFeo, he died this year. Yeah. And the Lutzes, the Lutzes passed, passed away. The Warrens oh, passed shit. away. Yeah. The Anson, the author of the book, I believe he had a heart attack the year after this film came out. Not a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Lorraine was <laughs> right. <laughs> but I don't think you gave your, oh, your shit. opinions. Sorry. I just had to jump in. No, no, no. Uh, I think this film is great for what it is, especially at the time that it was made. Mm -hmm. for sure yeah i think it falls into a lot of the cliches that it probably honestly created a lot of you know so you can't really hold it against it right when it's probably the originator of them but it also avoids a lot of the cliches that were to come yeah you know them knowing that the house has that history at the start yeah mm, that's awesome did uh did we touch on the fact that the priest later said that it didn't happen I don't believe so. <laughs> no. but that's, that's also very important. I know you wanted to talk about that. Well, yeah, because the priest for years, he would have these interviews and say that, you know, oh, yeah, this happened. And then uh, the flies and all this. Yeah. And then towards the end, researchers are talking to him and he's like, oh, that never happened. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? And he was the one. He was the worst offender of changing his story. Yeah. yeah. Well, him and DeFeo. DeFeo. Well, I said that, yeah. But he's again, you're you murdered people. Yeah. So you kind of expect that story to change when you're trying to not pay for murdering those people. Yeah. And I feel like priests, probably the good ones anyway, aren't used to lying. No. Yeah. So it was probably, probably pretty difficult. Yeah. For him. And I was, that was, that was the other thing about Weber with the idea for the book and everything was he was trying to get to another trial mm-hmm. with this book uh-huh. to say, you know, look, the, this is the story of spirits and yeah, all that. Yeah. So that's what did it. Not he's not you, know, you, you, you can't find him guilty because, you know, the whole thing. Right. Yeah. So there was a lot of ulterior motives aside from just the money. Yeah. Which is a, a, big, a motive. big motive. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I think that if you look at this film as a film rather than a true story. Right. Yeah. You're going to have a much better time. Oh, you yeah. will, but I feel like it's so intertwined that I really can't. No, it's really hard. Like, I really can't. It's really hard. I love when true crime and horror intersect. Uh-huh. Oh, for sure. Because a lot of true crime is absolutely horrific. Of course. But this is like probably one of the biggest, maybe the biggest examples of true crime and horror. Could be, yeah. Co-mingling yeah. like it's, this. It's incredibly iconic. Yeah. Um, I just a couple more things that I I don't know if you're aware of, but I wanted to mention, you know, the the very famous picture of the little boy in oh the my house God, don't that, even. that was taken while the Warrens were there. So it wasn't yeah. real. <laughs> and Ed Warren made it a point in that interview that I watched to mention that the latitude of the Amityville house is forty point six six. Six. I'm gonna go ahead and take off. <laughs> I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> that tickled me. It's just that he's so he's a salesman, like he's, you said. Yeah. He's so always like, on, just constantly adding hot sauce to it. There's no like it can't just be weird. It's but also like right. I mean, there's just there's, all, there's so much. You, it's like a hot dog. You you add so much yeah. mustard that the meat's not even there anymore. What are you doing, Ed? What are you doing, dude? It's just so funny. I thought you'd appreciate that. But, sure. Um, <laughs> but I like this movie. I we grew up watching these. Um, more than just this one. I feel mm-hmm. like we watched all of the Amityville movies. I know there's a, a scene with the garbage disposal in an Amityville film that still haunts me to this day. Yeah. Um. So I know that these were a big staple growing up and I still appreciate it for what it is. The performances specifically, James mm-hmm. Brolin, are oh, yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. 
but I'm really hurt by the whole dropped storyline. Yeah, that, that I never like it. It's still bugging me, yeah. honestly. I feel like we heard your heart break in half in real time because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't. It's like no, it's that. It's done. Yeah, it's over. When they say the last night, you're like, oh shit, father, whatever his name he's is, he's gonna come yeah. crashing through the window, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, he's, he's gonna not. save all their lives. He's not nope. though. No. Um. <laughs> so that that hurts it for me, but. I will say I can't deny that this is a good movie and I I feel like I'll definitely watch it again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um I would like to rewatch the remake and see how it kind of stacks up. The only takeaway is I remember leaving being like wow, Ryan Reynolds was actually scary. Right. Because oh, yeah. I'd never seen him be anything but funny uh-huh. before. I thought you were going to say wow, Ryan Reynolds he is really had his really tits out. <laughs> <laughs> He's really cut. <laughs> no, I I just remember being very surprised that he could be because the character of George Lutz, you know, take away that he is a real person or right, was a right. real person. Yeah. You really have to take yourself there because he goes to a yeah. very dark place. And James Brolin did a great job. His tits out. I'm still on it. Dude. His, tits are out. His tits are out. But we talked about this. And if I was at a Ryan Reynolds level of athletic, I would demand to be naked for at least half of every film I was in. Yeah. Because you got to think about all the stuff you sacrificed. Yes. To get into I haven't that had shape. ice cream in six years. You're not. Yeah. You're <laughs> not going to deny me of the pleasures <laughs> of life. And then I can't show it off. Yeah. The, I, There's no way. I, I want to take a firm stand. I am pro carb. <laughs> <laughs> so i get it i get it but i i, I do want to rewatch it i honestly want to go through the series again and see you know how they stack up right sequels have a tendency to get pretty trash as we've talked about and they i do. wonder if if these do as well or what liberties do they take because they've gone on record and said no other right. family has been haunted well so do we just keep retelling the story or like i'm um, i'm interested well the second one isn't i mean the second one's of well, no, yeah, I guess it is just kind of a retail. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was wondering, because I mean, if you look at them, there's really, if you believe everything, there's really only yeah. one true story to tell. Yes. Yeah. And so. Well, there's the story of the DeFeos and the story of the Lutzes. And, and that's, that's all. It. That's it. So I, I'm going to definitely go through and watch them. I know this one and the remake are on HBO Max right now. Okay. I don't mm. know about the sequels, though. Right. But I will have to hunt those out. Let's dive in. Yeah. Like the, into that tar pit. Into the tar pit. <laughs> but I guess we can go into ratings um, instead of just rambling about the case Fair more. Enough. I think I've already said how I feel. This movie is good. I do enjoy it. There are still parts that are frightening. Mm-hmm. The performances are really good. Um, James Brolin and Rod Steger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. There's some parts that are pretty laughable yeah. <laughs> on accident. There's parts that leave more to be desired. But I think the standout for me really is just watching James Brolin be overcome by this mother of God. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's fucked up. He's coming apart. He is coming apart. But with the good and the bad, and I'll try to divorce it from the hoax or mm. non-hoax as much as I can. But I think I'm going to be a little generous with this movie because I have liked it since I was a right. kid. But with all that being said, on a scale from one to ten giant demon pigs, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give the Amityville Horror 7.5 out of 10 giant demon pigs. Hmm. I had really gone into this thinking that it would be higher. And the drop storyline really does hurt. <laughs> it probably should be lower just for that. Yeah. But 
this movie kind of has a special place to me. I know John Paul, you too. I know right, you really right, love. Right. He's kind of been pushing for this one since the beginning, mm-hmm. and we thought that October it would be fun to kick to kick it off with right, it. Right. But um, yeah, seven point five. I'm happy with that. Right. I'll open the floor. Well, thank you guys for letting us cover it. Yeah, <laughs> of yeah. course. Um, but I'm I'm like you. I watched this a lot as a kid too. This was in the rotation. Uh, the second one I've seen a lot too. Um, I've seen the remake a few times, not as many as I, you know what I mean? Maybe yeah. less than a handful. Yeah. But I have seen this one and the second one quite a few times. Um, I do like it and I'm not that big into the true crime of it. So I can separate it from what <laughs> yeah, it is. Easily. Yeah. yeah. But so as a movie, I still enjoy it. Yeah. I do see where it hurts. Like y'all pointed out, uh, and like kind of learning what was going on and whatnot. And then uh, you're right with like the priests and everything and the detective. They're just gone. <laughs> they're just gone. But the thing I think, too, that saves it for me is all the, you know, when we yell at them and we're like, just go out the window or just yeah. whatever. They, and they do, do it. it. Yeah, it's they like, do oh, it. thank God. It's thank like, you. All right. And he he did. It didn't take a priest or somebody or a medium or somebody to come in and tell this dude, hey, you're going to kill your wife. You know what I mean? Stop. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. And he got his family. Yeah. The fuck and out he's of like, there. no, 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 yeah. no. no. Mm-hmm. I got because you see that throughout the movie. He comes. You see little bits and pieces of him still there. But then he goes back when he's in the house and he's like, fuck, you know what I mean? Something's wrong. Yeah. Then he comes out a little bit and then. So for him to still be there and it just be them as a family getting out uh-huh. and then going back for the pet. I mean, that's that's obviously <laughs> that's a win for me. Oh, yeah. of course. Um, so for me, on a scale from one to ten giant demon pigs, <laughs> I have to give the Amityville Horror an eight hmm. out of ten. I do. And and it it is from a nostalgia. You know what I mean? But nothing wrong with um, that. No, I still think if you can separate it from what's going on uh, and like the truth to it and whatever. It's a good movie. And you should be able to, I just feel like with who I am as a person, right? I couldn't not bring it to the table. Right, I know right. T, you're the same way. Yeah. Like, like I, we, we got to talk about it. Yeah. And like I said, uh, it might've been off mic, might've been at the beginning. It's been a long day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, did we talk about the priest? Yeah, or no? <laughs> we both went into research the film and yeah. ended up researching so, yeah. the, the crime way more. Yeah. I had texted T last night and was like, I'm watching this thing with Ed and Lorraine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I feel like I've done more research on the crime than I did on the yeah. film. I was yeah. like, no, but same. No, no they, joke. I mean, once you go into trying to research the film, it's like, but in real life, like, yeah. I mean, even, yeah. you know, it's not just us. Yeah, Even on IMDb, they're like, by the way, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not here for that right now. I mean, I love it, but I'm not here. Yeah. for that. I'm trying my best. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I agree with both of you. The positive negative points that you made on the positive side. This is a really fun film. It yeah. is. I mean, a lot of dark shit happens, but oh, it's, yeah. it's still real fun. I have to, like you said, call it the performances. James Brolin, Margot Kidder. Yeah. Um, Rod Steger, all fantastic work. For a film that, you know, the way that they've paced it, I feel like they over deliver. They do. And even the kids, even yeah. the kids were good. Dude, that kid was really crying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it. Like, it's nuts. Uh, I love the cinematography. I called it out. 
The music is creepy. Mm. Oh, yeah. I love how much you can tell this influenced every Haunted House film that came yeah. after. And you can oh, feel yeah. it, for you sure. You can really feel yeah. it. And speaking of influence, I am not going to hold it against this film, how much the story was influenced by horror media mm-hmm. around at the time. When they're concocting this hoax and yeah. they bring in The Exorcist, bring in you know the omen the shining yeah that's not on the filmmakers it's not but i didn't realize how much of it felt yeah you know yeah yeah um on the negative side though as i said that marriage between the priest subplot and the lutz main story yeah it never really works it's weird and it really bums me out um, I know that you're trying to stay as close as you can to the, the source material and the priest did not save the day yeah. <laughs> or anything. No, no but he didn't. then don't give him such a huge character I was going to say, but that's yeah. what you led us to. It's yeah. like, nah, psych, he's blind. <laughs> yeah, never it's mind, like, never wait, mind. Because on the cool, he got nothing for his no, trouble. No, no. For him trying to help, it's like, uh, yeah. you know, here's a little something for your trouble. <laughs> and he's just, he's just there. Yeah. He and wouldn't then, even talk. And then to make it worse than what, quote really happened yeah he had a dude's cough. like i had yeah <laughs> my nose was a little stuffy and the priest is like i'm blind yeah <laughs> and he's sitting there feeding the ducks his like forever yeah. change yeah it's a lot it's a lot to have no payoff but on a scale from one to ten giant demon pigs i am going to give the amityville horror seven out of ten giant demon pigs I remember watching this. There's a lot of fondness for it. Mm -hmm. It didn't stick to my bones like other movies did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, you know, we watched as kids. But it's definitely one that will be thrown in the rotation. For sure. Yeah. It's it's a fun movie. The true crime element of it doesn't ruin the film the way that, you know, it isn't exactly correct or proper. But... I, I highly recommend just at least checking it out. For sure. Oh, yeah. If you haven't. And I know that we did spend a lot of time on the true crime. We did. But <laughs> One might say too much time. I And I hope we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate the Amityville Horror and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, if you find yourself haunted by the past, make sure you know when it's time to move on. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We love you all. (laughs) That's all I had was just a random noise. (laughs) (laughs) A very special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Huesden, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Allison O'Neill, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Carissa, TJ Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Linda, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, JD Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Sposto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggie, 
William Barry, and Brittany. Thank you all so, you. so yeah. much. Yes, thank you all. You are all oink-credible. Okay. As <laughs> <laughs> a demon pig. We love yeah. you, Lutz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do great work here. <laughs> Very cerebral. Indeed. I will have to say, just know that we are truly thankful that we're here for you, even when, mother of God, you're coming <laughs> apart. <laughs> Put all the mustard on it, man. All of it. Mustard and hot sauce. There you go. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>